Welcome to the podcast. Click, pay, and download instantly. Tonight, the CDC sounding the alarm on the Delta variant and the risk even to fully vaccinated Americans. The CDC warning in internal documents the war has changed, citing evidence vaccinated people can suffer rare breakthrough infections and may spread the Delta variant as easily as the unvaccinated. Delta also believed to cause more severe illness. A pivotal discovery, a major cluster with a staggering three in four infections in vaccinated people. And what NBC News has found, at least 125,000 breakthrough infections in the U.S., what you need to know. Deadly weather across several states, a powerful EF3 tornado tearing through a car dealership and a massive mudslide. Cars trapped, over 100 evacuated. The bombshell new claims that former President Trump pressured the Justice Department to declare the 2020 election corrupt and the major move clearing the way for congressional Democrats to get his taxes. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt reporting tonight from Tokyo. Hello from Japan as we come to the end of the first full week of the 2020 Olympic Games. Lots of news from here to report later. But our top story is unfolding in the United States and alarming new findings just released about how easily the Delta COVID variant spreads. The war has changed, say CDC scientists who have now discovered COVID-19 spreads as easily as the common cold. And even more unsettling that fully vaccinated people can easily transmit the virus even among other vaccinated individuals. The findings also raising questions over whether the CDC's recently updated mask guidelines went far enough. And despite a growing number of breakthrough infections, the new data still make a strong case for vaccinations. Miguel Almaguer has the latest. As Americans face infection and hospitalization at a staggering rate, tonight new findings from the CDC say the war has changed in the battle against COVID. New data made public today likens the Delta variant spread to the chickenpox. As the virus leaps person to person, it's more contagious than the common cold. Likely triggering more severe disease than previously known, the Delta strain is also infecting the vaccinated at higher rates as they carry similar viral loads in their nose and throat as the unvaccinated. And while they too may easily spread the virus, the inoculated are rarely hospitalized. The message is not that the vaccines aren't working. The message is not enough people are getting them. The efficacy of a vaccine that isn't given is exactly 0%. Despite the spike in cases, it's important to remember we are nowhere near last winter's surge in cases or the daily death count. Still, with the new data providing some concrete numbers on breakthrough infections, the concerning findings are why the CDC called for the vaccinated to also wear masks indoors in high-risk communities earlier this week. But scientists recommended the CDC go further, saying universal masking is essential. The Delta variant has been 
a game changer. I think no one expected that it would have a contagious index as high as this. No one would have expected that this virus could be as contagious, say, as chickenpox virus or more contagious than smallpox virus. As Disney and Walmart add vaccination requirements for some employees, the CDC is still struggling to convince some Americans to wear a mask, much less get vaccinated. This is more are falling seriously ill every day. Love you. I love you. Brody Baker can only see his father, Daryl, through glass. On a breathing tube, he nearly lost his life because he didn't want to get vaccinated. That little boy out there, I have a vaccine. A family nearly torn apart when hope is just a shot away. Miguel, I have to ask, with cases trending in the wrong direction, has there been any talk of possible lockdowns? Well, Lester, the White House said there would not be a return to any lockdown, that vaccines can stop the pandemic. And on that front, there's some good news. The average number of people getting new vaccinations is up 30 percent. Lester? A welcome development, Miguel. Thank you. Let's get a reality check on breakthrough infections. Still a very small percentage of new cases, but spreading at a higher rate than first thought. Here's Gabe Gutierrez. The new CDC internal report not only acknowledges that so-called breakthrough infections are rising, but that they may be as transmissible as unvaccinated cases. Were you surprised that you had been vaccinated and got sick anyway? Yes, absolutely. I was Catherine surprised. Griego in Florida is still in isolation after testing positive about a week ago. She was vaccinated back in March. You can still contract the virus and you can still get sick, but you're not going to get as sick as you would if you had it. So I'm very, I feel like I'm very fortunate. The CDC stopped providing public information on total breakthrough infections in late April when the tally hit 10,000. Instead, it only posted data when they led to hospitalization or death. So NBC News reached out to all 50 states. 38 responded. We found more than 125,000 fully vaccinated Americans have tested positive for COVID. According to a CDC internal document, there are now roughly 35,000 breakthrough infections per week. Keep in mind, that's a tiny percentage of the more than 160 million fully vaccinated Americans. If you are vaccinated, you have 25 times less chance of getting hospitalized or dying. In Provincetown, Massachusetts, a COVID cluster of 882 cases is linked to the Delta variant. The CDC analyzed nearly 500 of those infections. About three-quarters of them were in people who had been fully vaccinated. Just four were hospitalized. In Los Angeles County, during the first two weeks of July, fully vaccinated people made up roughly 26% of all new infections. Martha McAdam, a kidney transplant recipient, was vaccinated in February but came down with COVID in March. She was hospitalized for 48 days. If I hadn't had that vaccine, I wouldn't be alive today. And that's why public health experts say the vaccine works despite breakthroughs. A Yale University study recently submitted for peer review estimates that here in New York City alone, the vaccine campaign has prevented a quarter million cases and 44,000 hospitalizations. Lester. Gabe Gutierrez tonight, thank you. In just 60 seconds, our exclusive shocking allegations about a shelter for migrant children. In western Colorado, everyone is safe after a storm caused mudslides on I-70. Dozens of vehicles got stuck, trapping more than 100 people in Glenwood Canyon. 29 of them had to spend the night in a tunnel and were rescued this morning. 
and severe weather, including tornadoes, ripped across at least five other states, killing one person and injuring several others. At least a dozen tornadoes touching down in the past two days. Here's Rahima Ellis. In Pennsylvania, a path of destruction. We got a major building collapse. After a powerful tornado tore through areas around Philadelphia, ripping the roof off this car dealership, injuring five. It just looked like a bomb went off. You know, I've been doing this for 34 years. I never saw that kind of devastation. Elsewhere, trees uprooted, power lines down as heavy rain pounded the area. And in New Jersey, at least three tornadoes barreled across the state. We lost power. And then we were just here, pop, 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 pop. All our back windows were blowing out. It went on for about three, four minutes, and then this is what we were left with. This water spout formed in nearby Bethany Beach, Delaware. Two other tornadoes striking Ohio. In Virginia, damaging wind and hail. Earlier, a tornado from the same system hit Wisconsin, leaving one man dead. Experts say despite the summer's severe weather, it might not be related to climate change, as tornadoes typically strike as far north as Canada. Tonight, a perfect storm of violent weather. Rahima Ellis, NBC News. New insight tonight into how former President Trump pressured the Justice Department to back up his claims of election fraud. Separately, Congress may soon get its hands on his tax returns. Here's Pete Williams. Two days after Christmas, President Trump called the top two officials at the Justice Department who were in charge after Attorney General William Barr stepped down. According to notes taken by the acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue, when the president raised a complaint about ballots in Pennsylvania, Jeffrey Rosen, the acting Attorney General, promised to check on it quickly but added, quote, the DOJ can't and won't snap its fingers to change the outcome of the election. It doesn't work that way. The notes say the president responded, I don't expect you to do that. Just say that the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Neither Donahue nor Rosen did any such thing. The Justice Department has now told them both to cooperate with congressional investigations into Trump's actions. And in a big setback for the former president, the Justice Department today said the IRS must give Congress his 2015 through 2020 tax returns. Democrats have been trying to get them for two years, citing a federal law that says Treasury must turn over individual returns when the tax writing committees ask, provided they're kept confidential. The former president can now try to block the handover in court, but legal experts say they doubt he'd succeed. Lester? Pete Williams, thank you. Now to disturbing allegations from inside a Biden administration facility for migrant children. In an exclusive interview, two whistleblowers speak out to NBC's Julia Ainsley. Tonight, NBC News obtaining these recent images of crowded conditions inside a facility for migrant children at Fort Bliss. And there were these tents just crowded with, with kids. Arthur Perlstein worked there until just last month. He told us COVID spread among hundreds of children. COVID spread very, very rapidly uh, amongst the kids and ultimately amongst many of the staff as well. Another employee, Lauren Reinhold, telling us staff were directed to hide what was happening. We were told to not be on social media, to um, limit our conversations about the site with close friends and family, 
and um, to definitely not talk to the media. Both Pearlstein and Reinhold now joining other whistleblowers, filing a report through the Government Accountability Project about what they said were health care failures and overall mismanagement by Health and Human Services. In audio obtained by NBC News, a public health service doctor told staff he would not disclose daily COVID rates. Uh, I can't give you daily numbers and breakouts and graphs and things like that. Another tape captures a manager telling employees in May some staff had been sexually inappropriate with children. We have already caught staff with minors inappropriately. Catch them, especially if this is that member. Reinhold said her concerns about the children's well-being were not heard. I sent things to um, emails to a suggestion box. Many of us did, but we never heard back what happened. The Biden administration has scrambled to accommodate a record surge of unaccompanied migrant children and has come under fire for the treatment of children at other government facilities. The president earlier promising transparency. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. President Biden has said that they are committed to transparency in these facilities. Was that your experience? There was anything but transparency um, at Fort Bliss. There was a rule of secrecy like nothing I've seen before. Health and Human Services told us there are fewer children there now, and they swiftly report allegations of wrongdoing. But Pearlstein says he worries about what's being hidden from the public. Lester? All right, Julia Ainsley tonight. Thank you. Up next, why Christmas shopping right now might be a smart idea. In the price you pay, why you may want to start your holiday shopping now. Really, Erin McLaughlin explains. It's known as the most wonderful time of year. And you think it was happening now. Despite sizzling temperatures across the country, Americans pulled out their Santa hats and ugly sweaters to celebrate Christmas in July. Why don't you come to Aspen over the holidays? The Hallmark channels replayed their classics. Shopping channel QVC ran specials all month as retailers brace for the possibility of yet another tough holiday shopping season ahead. There's a real fear that these shortages and supply chain issues that we're facing now are going to be with us through the holidays and the new year. So if there are things we know people want to buy, like those holiday toys and other gifts, they're jumping on the opportunity now. This year, we found Christmas in the most unexpected places, like this bar in downtown L.A. Uh, a lot of us didn't really get to spend Christmas the way we would have liked to this past year. So really giving us a, a do-over. As you can see, they serve eggnog and hot chocolate. Not exactly what you'd expect to be drinking when it's 85 degrees here in Los Angeles, but... Why not? Merry Christmas in July. That's nightly news for this Friday from Tokyo. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Hey, NBC News viewers. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.
What's the worst thing about selling your home? Probably all the times you'll have to scramble for a last-minute showing and somehow clean the dishes, pick up your kids' toys, make all the beds, and get out of the house in an hour. Sounds exhausting. That's not the case when you buy and sell a home with Orchard. They'll help you buy and move into your new place first, and then Orchard will take care of all the showings on your old house. That's right, you're already in your new house. No crazy last-minute scrambling. Take a look and see how Orchard can help you at Orchard.com and get started with a no-cost, no-obligation offer. That's Orchard.com. What do you know about Dr. Dunch? Based on the unbelievable true story. I can't make sense of this. Dr. Death. Dunch has two deaths that we know of. Starring Joshua Jackson with Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. I am going to fix you. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Delighted to have you with me. It is Wednesday. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. I, you know, it took me a minute to figure out what day it was. I, I guess I really am in the right job because I got in here on Monday and Tuesday. And at the end of the show on both days, I was like, how, how is it three o'clock? How well, we still got another hour. I feel deprived of an hour and I'm not. So today is kind of easy because a bunch of the stuff that I needed to talk about on Monday and Tuesday is still there. It's still relevant. But before I get into any of that, I need to talk about Simone Biles. Now, listen, I, I got to say up front, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. One of the problems, I think, in the 21st century is that so many people think you have to have an opinion about absolutely everything. And you really don't. You don't have to have an opinion about a particular team, a particular person, a particular athlete. You don't have to have an opinion about a particular food, a particular trend. You just don't have to. But nowadays, it just seems like everyone expects everyone else to have a strongly held opinion on something. And I had a strongly held opinion on Simone Biles, and I think I've gotten it wrong and want to spend just a few moments on that. But first, I, I just I want to note kind of the, the dynamics out there. It is I can tell you exactly where every single person is going to fall on this issue. Uh, if you're a dude and you got a lot of bravado, uh, you're going to be on the, this was weak, this was pathetic, how dare she. If you're a dude and you're all in the the beta male, uh, I give to Planned Parenthood camp, it's like, oh, she's such a brave hero. And if you're a woman who thinks she should have toughed it out, you've got to pound your test and uh, chest and roar like a guy. Uh, you don't have to have an opinion. I, I will tell you, my immediate reaction was that uh, this was weak, this was pathetic, um, using mental health. And, you know, she didn't help herself with her statement. Uh, one of her statements was, it's okay to sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself. Maybe she should have thought of that before going to Tokyo. But at the end of the day, is there any data that can help us make up our mind as opposed to just uh, screaming and pounding our chests about it? Is there any data and, you know, there is data, and it comes from Dan Wetzel. He is a sports columnist at Yahoo News, and he points out that actually had Simone Biles stayed in the competition, the U.S. may not have meddled at all. They got the silver medal. that They may not have meddled at all had she stayed in. Now, why? Uh, her vault score was very low. It was uh, .534 below her teammates and .7 below the lowest Russian score. Russia took a commanding 1.067 lead because of it, and the U.S. can't win silver if Simone Biles is scoring the way she was scoring. So her stepping aside was not letting her team down, it appears. 
her stepping aside was actually allowing her team to put someone in better who could do better and elevate the team to potentially medal. And they wound up getting silver again. Based on the way she was scoring, it does very much seem, based on the data, not on my punditry, not on what somebody said on TV who you like, but based on the actual data of how she was performing, there's no way they would have gotten silver or gold had she stayed in. Maybe bronze, maybe, but maybe not even that. And she would have risked injury. You don't have to have an opinion on it, though. I don't care. Um, but, you know, it is it, it is just striking to me. And I, I look, I admit I fell into this camp. Uh, your gut level reaction. And, and the question is, given the data, are you able to change your mind? Are you dogmatic or not? Uh, and I actually do think that given the data, I've got to change my mind. Uh, I just I find it very, very predictable, the camps that people fall in and the like on this sort of stuff. And I'm, I just, I'm, I'm, I don't think you have to have an opinion on it, but that's my opinion. But I I do have something else here that I think is worth pointing out. I don't think the story really should be Simone Biles there. This is now the third female athlete in the Olympics who is, who has stepped aside because of mental health issues. And it does make me wonder overall with team USA, what's going on. And not only that, she's one of the gymnasts. And while you and I can think she let the team down or not, you and I can think, and I actually am in the camp that thinks maybe she should have had more soul searching before Tokyo. Uh, But I understand the pressures as the media was building her up as some sort of uh, face of the Olympics, the goat, the greatest of all time, the like that there was extraordinary pressure for her to go. But team USA, the gymnastic side is still dealing with the fallout of Larry Nassar. Uh, who abused the girls, and uh, Simone Biles apparently uh, was in the camp of people who were affected in some way by Larry Nasser, and we're still seeing the fallout of that. And if anything, this is part of the chickens coming home to roost for the gymnasts and the gymnastics coaches and the leadership of the gymnastic side of the Olympics who turned a blind eye to what he was doing and let it continue on for a while Uh, I just think that we got to be mindful of the situation and that it's more complicated than you or I may think. But I also think that uh, we don't necessarily have to go out and condemn her and attack her. And it's just very predictable how everybody came to their opinion without even considering the data out there. There's something else, though, that I think we need to consider here. And this goes back to the media, not just NBC here, but a lot of it is NBC. NBC, when they tell the story of the Olympics, they would rather give you the sympathetic bios of the Olympians than actually show you the freaking sport. You're in the middle of watching women's volleyball. Well, you can't do that because they're not in burkas, so the feminists don't want you to actually watch women's volleyball. So they switch over to the sympathetic profile of one of the volleyball players who's on the court right then who you're cheering for, and now they want to tell you all about the, this athlete. And then they do this with Simone Biles. They, the, the, the profiles of her, the covers of magazines of her, they elevate her, and they elevate her in such a way that you wish to root for her They make her seem invulnerable, and then she goes out there and can't compete, and she lets a lot of people down. And there is an extraordinary level of pressure that they themselves put on her. It does, of course, give a twist to the Olympics that she's out. Team USA hasn't done 
fantastic. And it's just, I, I'm, listen, I, I, I said this with soccer that uh, you root against America, I root against you. I feel that way with the women's soccer team. I think that way with the women's soccer team that they are a bunch of women who are aging out of the sport, who can't let go, who are turning into progressive grifters, woke grifters. Uh, Megan Rapone, apparently, I mean, if you listen to some of the women who are on the team on background or women who left the team, uh, she made it a toxic environment. We always talk about, have you ever noticed, we talk about toxic masculinity. Uh, what about the the toxic femininity, uh, the, the, the toxic atmosphere that people like Megan Rapone uh, create and you know nobody in the media wants to talk about it people in the media they're on her side but there's actually a lot of people who have spoken on background about this and people who left the team who said uh, she created a, a toxic workplace she created a, a toxic place for people to be on the team uh, she you're either on her side or, or you're bad no grace for her she's one of the worldly ones but nobody gets to talk. She, she gets elevated by the media. She gets elevated. Now she's in that horrible subway commercial where she's so obnoxious. She's kicking people's food choices out of their hands, essentially telling them you got to eat subway instead. It's better. I just can't bring myself to go to subway watching stuff like that. Uh, they're going to be that preachy in their nonsensical ads with her. But nonetheless, uh, these people get elevated by team USA. People like Megan Rapone, they get elevated to cult like status by progressives in the media who expect you to bow and worship her. Simone Biles as well gets dragged into it, and she played a role. She was willing. Clearly, there's a lot going on there. But again, on a data-driven approach to this, and not just my gut reaction, I think my gut reaction was wrong based on the data, that uh, actually, had she stayed, uh, Team USA would have done worse than Silver, given the way she was scoring, and I think we should be mindful of that. Now, uh, one last word on the Olympics here. Uh, I have not really paid a ton of attention to it other than these sorts of stories and continue to, and not because I don't like the Olympics. It's just, it's very weird this year. The NBC viewing experience is just so terrible. I mentioned this on Monday, I think, uh, having sat on the front porch on Sunday. So I've got an Apple TV. I really do like my Apple TV. Uh, if you're looking for a streaming device, it's the more expensive option compared to like the Chromecast or the, the Amazon Fire Stick. But I think it does so much better, has so many more options. And if you're in the Apple cult like I am, you get so many more things that you can um, you, you can use. But it's got a bunch of apps. And so I've got the uh, NBC has an app. Uh, NBC Sports has an app. Uh, NBC Now Peacock has an app. Uh, within Peacock, there are a bunch of things. And then I guess there's the USA channel app. <clears throat> you got the CNBC app and uh, the experiences just spread out across all of these apps. You can tell that NBC has a monopoly because they really could not care less about your viewing experience. It is an atrocious viewing experience. They could create a single consolidated app for all of their coverage and to my knowledge, they have not done so. And if they have, they certainly haven't shared it. Uh, and it's making it harder for me to want to care about the Olympics and pay attention to the Olympics when, first of all, they don't want to really want to run stuff in real time unless you've got some random app that you can play on a streaming service so that you can see. Uh, and then by the time you get to watch the stuff at night, you already know who won. We've always had that problem, but it seems like in the past, they've done a better job of covering that sort of stuff. So I'm just not really enthusiastic about watching it. I'll watch some of it. 
Uh, I've wa- and I've watched some of it. It's just not really a pleasant viewing experience the way NBC has it designed. Now, I want to close out this segment with one more point here because I think this is probably the larger point than the small bile stuff. And then we'll move on because we got to talk about masks and Dr. Fauci. Oh man, y'all got to hear the Dr. Fauci montage. You've got to hear the Fauci montage. I've got it. I will play it. But one more point for you to consider here. You don't have to have an opinion. If you want to agree with me, God bless you. If you want to disagree with me, God bless you. I'm happy to take your phone call. 877-973-7425 if you agree or you disagree. But you don't have to have an opinion on this. You really don't. Uh, I guess I do because I have a radio talk show. And I'm supposed to be an opinionated radio show, talk show host, and that's what I do. But I'm telling you people, you don't have to have an opinion on it, and it's all going to be okay. Now, when we come back, the mask mandate. Dr. Fauci wants you back in masks, and uh. Yeah, we got to spend a little bit on the January 6th nonsense, too. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this here program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I need to have a word with you, if you will. I have a daily, well, and mostly daily, five days a week, Occasional on the weekend uh, newsletter. It's my Substack. Substack is all the rage these days. I got in early. Philip, Philip told me not to do it, and I ignored him, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I like to hold that over his head. Um, but uh, I hope you might consider subscribing to it. Uh, you can actually just sign up for free. There's some additional paid content. I'm actually about to start doing some very specific stuff on Georgia for actual paid subscribers and the like. But you can get a lot of the commentary for free, including the stuff today I wrote about Simone Biles and also about the January 6th commission. And I want to put this in proper context for you. Uh, So with Substack, I can monitor subscriptions and unsubscribes. Yesterday on this program and in my Substack newsletter, I noted that, you know, what happened on January 6th is being revised uh, into something it was not, a, a overwhelmingly uh, peaceful occurrence. And and let me put this in perspective for you. There were a, tens of thousands of people in Washington who were peaceful. And no one's really talking about that. Uh, we're talking about the people who stormed into the U.S. Capitol. It was not an armed insurrection to overthrow the country, but it was also not just peaceful protesters. There were some people who just wandered in and said, oh, everybody else has gone in. Let's go see what's going on. But the woman who uh, was shot and killed, sadly, tragically, she wasn't a hero. She's not a martyr. Uh, she was part of a mob trying to break down a door to get to members of Congress who in the security video, you can see them fleeing for their lives. That is the truth. And some people can't handle the truth. You should see the hate mail I got yesterday from people for talking about this. You can also see yesterday, visibly see the unsubscribes for me pointing that out. Uh, and it's it's amazing to me how people, when they don't want to be confronted with truth, react by getting mad at you for speaking the truth and running away from you. Uh, you know, the devil likes to speak in facts. The devil doesn't really lie. He speaks in facts, but he doesn't tell you the truth. 
And that's something we've got running rampant in society right now. Uh, it is a fact. There were a, a million, 70 some odd million people voted for Donald Trump. Peace, love, and Americans who love their country. It is a fact. Uh, most of the people in Washington, D.C. Uh, on January 6th were peaceful protesters. It is a fact that a lot of the people who went into the Capitol and were arrested for trespassing were just there to see what was going on. That is absolutely a fact. But it really doesn't tell you the truth. The truth is an angry group of people broke into the Capitol, smashing doors, vandalizing various offices, uh, some with nooses looking for Mike Pence and others because they wanted to stop our Republican form of government from operating in the way it is designed to operate under the Constitution. And that's the truth of what actually happened. Nobody really cares about grandma roaming the U.S. Capitol with her iPhone upside down trying to figure out beyond why her thumb is in the picture, taking pictures of all the people inside the Capitol. No, we're worried about the people who were standing inside the United States Senate with zip ties. And the fact that some people send me hate mail and think um, that that I'm lying to them uh, when they're the ones being lied to, it, it, I, I don't quite understand that. I, there's clearly something going on in society right now that is deeply spiritually unhealthy, that people could react that viscerally and that angry to call the phone number here. You should see the phone lines here uh, to call the phone number to email. Uh, to they got to click unsubscribe because I've dared confront them with the actual truth. Uh, that that's sad. There's something deeply spiritually malignant growing in our country. But there's something else too. There's something else too. Uh, it was not 9/11, and anyone who says that January 6 was akin to 9/11 is as stupid as the brain bison helmeted biblical donkey who stood on the floor of the Senate, the QAnon shaman guy. Uh, it was nothing compared to 9-11, and if you think it is, you're not right in the head. Also, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. The Democrats and the media are obsessed about January 6th and are giving it maximum spotlight because they think it will hurt the Republicans next year. They genuinely believe it will hurt the Republicans next year. That's why they're playing it up. It has way more to do about that than it has to do with anything related to actually finding out what happened on January 6th, which we don't really even need because we already know what happened. This is about next year. They're convinced it's going to hurt the Republicans. You know, I know enough about the way elections work, having run campaigns in my life, that no one's going to go into the polling booth in November of next year and mutter to themselves, well, I nearly got mugged getting here. My kid just learned he's a racist because he's white. The police have been defunded around here. Crime's out of control. Bread costs $6 a loaf. My gas is $10 a gallon. But man, I'm going to vote against those Republicans who didn't participate in January 6th because some of them supported Trump, who's not on the ballot. Y'all, I'm sorry. If you think that's a strategy for the Democrats, you are really out to lunch. That's It's not going to really matter. And all that's going on right now is uh, redefinitions by activists. And they think it's going to help the Democrats. It's not. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. If you want to be on my program nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, you can call 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. 
Maybe we'll take your calls. Maybe we won't. You got to get past the call screener. You can also get me uh, at EW Erickson across social media. And by the way, uh, if you text the word data to 33777, I mentioned this, uh, my Substack earlier. I don't think I told you how to get it. If you text the word data uh, to 33777, that's the phone number to text it to. You'll get back a link uh, to some pieces I wrote and also generally to my Substack link. If you put in your email address, a lot of the stuff you'll get for free. Some of the stuff is just for people who pay to subscribe. And frankly, um, if you want to subscribe, it's 7 bucks a month or $70 for a year, and you help make me uncounselable. You know, I've actually lost advertisers in the past for being a conservative, uh, actually really for being a Christian if we're honest about it, because the stuff I was attacked for was stuff I have said on radio deeply tied into my worldview as a Christian. And I have had advertisers uh, walk away from me. Uh, We've had a couple of advertisers say they won't advertise on the podcast of the show because of my, frankly, Christian worldview. And that's really what it is. Uh, They don't like some of the social commentary that I make. And I'm not going to back down from it. uh, But by subscribing, you actually kind of make me uncancelable. Uh, If nothing else, it helps cover the cost of the satellite to syndicate this radio show. Uh, So text the word data to 33777. I I say that in particular and intentionally because I try very hard with what I write and what I do here now because I think it's it's very crucial more and more these days to not just give you the facts of what's going on, but actually tell you the truth about what's happening. Like I mentioned in the last segment, you know, the, the devil gives facts. He just doesn't tell you the truth. You can give some facts and withhold other facts and kind of shape a worldview uh, without giving the complete picture of stuff. And I want to give you the complete picture right now on vaccines, which I don't think the media is doing. I think the media, I think the government is scaring people. Headline. January 9th, 2021, from the Associated Press, vaccinated teachers and students don't need masks, CDC says. Headline, July 27th, 2021, just two weeks later, CDC will recommend everyone in K-12 schools wear a mask regardless of vaccine status in new guidance. I find that appalling. The CDC even wants you to wear a mask outside if you're a kid, which I just find absolutely appalling. And by the way, there is new data out there that the um, that the kids who are having to do Zoom calls and remote learning are falling further and further behind, and they most happen to be minority students. I think this is absurd. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to get into a, a big debate on masks with you. I, I think if you understand the data of the masks, you understand that if an infected person wears a mask, uh, they it helps mitigate some of the spread, not all of it. If all, the, all of the uninfect, uninfected people wear one along with the infected person, uh, it helps mitigate the spread further. It's not a cure-all, but it does. But also, I think if you understand the way the masks work, you realize that nobody knows how to use masks. I was in Belk, uh, which if you're not familiar with it, is a department store. I was in Belk last night. There was a family of five. All of them were wearing masks. All five of these, the mother, the father, and the three kids were all wearing masks. The mother had her mask pulled down below her mouth. The father 
and two of the kids had their masks pulled down below their nose. The third child had the mask on right, but only had the upper strap down, so the bottom strap was flopping around. Uh, it was a, a two-strap mask. It had one had the upper strap on and not the lower strap. The lower strap was just kind of hanging there, flopping on their chest. And I'm like, you know, this is why masks will never work. This is why the mask mandate is ridiculous at this point. No one's going to use them. And also, we have some data out there that I find very, very interesting. The data shows us the data, not, not the anecdotal information. The data shows us where people are getting COVID. It is not from mask gatherings, mask, <laughs> mass, M-A-S-S. It is not from mass gatherings of the unmasked or masked. It is in private gatherings in people's homes where people aren't going to wear a mask. People just aren't going to hang out together wearing masks. And that's where people are getting COVID. So at this point, the mask mandate, there's no reason to bring it back. And also, it's a hell of a message to tell the vaccinated people of America that, well, thank you for doing your part. Now put your mask back on. You could be a threat to someone else. Uh, no, I did my part. Why am I going to wear a mask again? Why, why am I going to go back to wearing masks? When I took one for the team, I got my vaccine. Someone else chose not to get the vaccine. They're playing the odds. Let them play the odds. They want to play the odds. Let them play the odds. That's not heartless. It's what they want. It's no shame in that. If you don't think you're going to get it or you're perfectly healthy and you don't care if you get it and if you get it, you're going to have natural immunity and you're not going to have to worry about the vaccine, go for it. I don't care at this point. What I care about is that the government has been sending mixed messages for some time. Uh, now, the reason I want to tell you this is because I, I, a friend of mine prepared a montage. And in the montage, he takes Dr. Fauci and he takes clips of Dr. Fauci. And he puts them in non-chronological order, which he's getting attacked for. But uh, people don't tend to hang on to all the chronological aspects of this. And I think it's worth putting into perspective Dr. Fauci's commentary on masks um, because it will help you understand why so many people are confused or skeptical otherwise. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Mark, there has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. That if, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community... You want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, 
The answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, <laughs> you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here where you could get leakage in is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? It looks like you are. <laughs> I think you can get the point there. Now, listen, let's be fair here. Those are uh, edits and they were not in chronological order. So they don't really show the evolution, but that's the way people's minds work. And, you know, Fauci, the Surgeon General for Donald Trump, has even come out and said he wished he had done a better job of, of talking about masks at the time. The reality is that first they said don't wear them, then they said wear them, then people who wore them, they were still getting the virus. A lot of them were getting the virus in places where they weren't wearing the mask. They weren't getting them in places where they were masked. Some people were getting them where they were masked because some people who had the virus weren't wearing them. The whole thing got very muddied. But at this point, you got so many people vaccinated, it doesn't matter. It should not matter. You should not need to wear a mask. Now, what is the data on this? What does the data actually show? With breakthrough infections, I was actually reading a uh, infectious disease specialist, and she said breakthrough infection doesn't really matter. It's breakthrough disease. Do you actually get debilitating symptoms from COVID on this? Uh, and actually, it is 0.098% of vaccinated people are getting uh, the symptoms and of those virtually none are getting hospitalized and of those virtually none are dying. It doesn't mean no one's dying. Some people are, but overwhelmingly it's very, very small. Now the same CDC that wants your kids to wear masks indoors and outdoors, despite what the science says, by the way, it would be better for schools just to open windows and let the air circulate. The same CDC is also the same CDC that tells you don't eat raw cookie dough. I'm not going to give up my raw cookie dough and I'm not going to put back on a mask. Now, there's one caveat to this. Uh, if a private business puts up a sign or a government puts up a sign and says, don't come in without a mask, I'll go in with my mask on uh, because it's their business and they get the right to tell me whether or not they want me to be there and how they want me to be there. It's the same as no shirt, no shoes, no service, uh, no mask, no service. I'm fine with that. It's their business. They get to control it. You don't get to control it because you're not a communist. The communists get to control it, and I'm not a communist, and I don't want to control their business. But going back to a mask mandate at this point is absurd. Uh, also, the messaging really is terrible there. The, hey, you've got to wear a mask uh, because you've been vaccinated and you could be a threat to other people because you could get the virus still and have it spread. Now, I, you know, interestingly enough, I did have a couple of epidemiologists tell me that there's some misunderstanding uh, and, and that you got to follow along with me on this one. And I, I've heard it from enough credible people, I'm going to pass it along to you, uh, that it's not that you get the vaccine and you have a 95% chance of being safe and a 5% chance of getting it. Uh, and so you you miss it. You, you encounter 100 people with COVID and uh, 99 of the 95 of them don't give it to you and the 96th person does. That's not the way it works. It is you have a 100% chance of not being able to get COVID 
if you've been vaccinated, except for 5% of the people who have a 100% chance of getting COVID if they're exposed to it. Um, I, I So basically, essentially, with your 95% immunity, you're either immune or you're not, and 95% of people have 100% immunity. Now, with the Delta variant, it's different. The data is still out there, but it's still over 70%, it seems. There was an original Israeli study that showed it was uh, like 35%, but even the Israelis now are actually coming back and saying, no, actually, it's higher than that. So keep that in mind. It's Eric Erickson. I am still here. This is still my show, and you are welcome still to be a part of it. On the phones, 877-973-7425. By email, eric, E-R-I-C-K, at ewerickson.com. I mentioned this story, and I want to I wanna just delve into it just a little bit here. This is a headline from the New York Times. Uh, the story dropped this morning. Headline, the pandemic hurt these students the most. Subtitle, new research shows that all groups are behind in math and reading after disruptions during the pandemic, but it's the most vulnerable students who experienced the deepest setbacks. How much did the pandemic affect students? The latest research is out and the answer is clear dramatically. In math and reading, students are behind where they would be after a normal year with the most vulnerable students showing the steepest drops, according to two new reports from the consulting firm McKinsey & Company and the NWEA, a nonprofit organization that provides academic assessments. The students did not just stall early on. The setbacks accumulated over time and continued even after many students returned to the classroom. The reports echo the outcomes from Texas and Indiana, some of the first states to release test results from the past school year. Both states showed significant declines in reading and math. The findings paint an alarming picture of an education system plagued by racial and socioeconomic inequities that have only gotten worse during the coronavirus pandemic. An educational gap became a gulf. It's a bitter pill to swallow, said Karen Lewis, a senior researcher at the NWEA and the lead author of the organization's report, which was released on Wednesday. It just keeps you up at night. For example, in math, Latino third graders performed 17 percentile points lower in spring 2021 compared with the typical achievement of Latino third graders in the spring of 2019. The decline was 15 percentile points for black students compared with similar students in the past and 14 for native students, that is uh, American Indian students. If we're allowed to say that anymore. I don't know if you guys know what natives are. I I mean, I'm a native, you're a native. Now, according to the NWEA report, Asian and white students also underachieved compared with the performance of similar students in 2019, but the impact was less severe at nine percentile points each. The report used data from about 5.5 million public school students in third through eighth grade who took the NWEA's tests during the 2020-21 school year and compare their performance to similar students in 2019. So not, 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 not the same students, but similar students. There is that caveat, but we all know this is true. We all know this happened. And by the way, notice that they're not claiming the standardized test. For purposes of this story, they are not claiming the standardized tests are racist. Usually, they claim the standardized tests are racist. But no, no, now they want to show you that lockdowns were what caused the racial harm, not the standardized tests. So they conveniently leave out they think the standardized tests are racist. And they're not, by the way. The standardized tests are not racist, but uh, there you have it. They sure seem to think that they are racist. 
And now the CDC wants kids to go back to masks. How much longer before the teachers union start saying, maybe we need to shut down again. Maybe we need to not go back to school. So there's a, there's a charter school near me. It's a very large charter school, state funded charter school. And it has uh, said that it, there's no way, no how uh, that they are going to make their kids wear masks. I suspect my kid's school is going to say no to masks, but the county I live in and a lot of counties in Georgia now are going back to masks all the time in school. And remember, the CDC in the past has said, and they're saying again now, that your kids need to wear masks outside, even on the soccer field. It is going to be 100, 102 degrees in Macon, Georgia, where I live this weekend. Let me pull up my, I'm running the beta of iOS 15. According to this, on Friday in middle Georgia, where I am, it will be 101 degrees. And on Saturday, 100 degrees. Gosh, I'm putting getting a new roof put on my house. At least, well, by Tuesday, it'll be 84 um, the 50% chance of rain though. But anyway, in any event, it's going to be hot and they want your kids back in masks, even outside. It's not going to happen. I'm not putting my kids in masks. My kids have already said, do I have to wear a mask? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're fully vaccinated. You don't need to wear a mask. I don't think your kids do. I don't think you do. Now I am taking a trip to Las Vegas in a few weeks. Uh, unless I can finagle a ride on priority jet or something, I'm going to be wearing a mask on Delta. Uh, on a private plane, you don't have to. Another reason to have one. Not only do they not yell at me in the airport anymore, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, you got to wear masks in the airport. The government, you got to wear masks in government buildings. The White House is having masks back. I just continue to think it's a terrible message. And also now we know that shutting schools down, one, it was never necessary. If we're taking data-driven approaches, the data showed it was not in any way, shape, or form necessary to shut down schools, and yet we did. The data shows we didn't need to. And in fact, when schools reopened, remember in Georgia, it was one of the first places to reopen and they showed the scenes and where was it? Uh, Cherokee County, Georgia and Cobb County, Georgia, all the school, all the kids in the hallways. And you didn't have the mass outbreaks they said was going to happen. Now there's, well, you know, the Delta variant, it's, it's more susceptible. Yeah, but really not super. And the survivability rate is still high. I'm still an advocate of vaccines. And I had been an advocate of masks, but let's be real here. No one's going to wear them. It's time to move on, folks. Time to move on. And we will when we come back. What's the worst thing about selling your home? Probably all the times you'll have to scramble for a last-minute showing and somehow clean the dishes, pick up your kids' toys, make all the beds, and get out of the house in an hour. Sounds exhausting. That's not the case when you buy and sell a home with Orchard. They'll help you buy and move into your new place first, and then Orchard will take care of all the showings on your old house. That's right. You're already in your new house. No crazy last-minute scrambling. Take a look and see how Orchard can help you at Orchard.com and get started with a no-cost, no-obligation offer. That's Orchard.com. What's the worst thing about selling your home? Probably all the times you'll have to scramble for a last-minute showing and somehow clean the dishes, pick up your kids' toys, make all the beds, and get out of the house in an hour. Sounds exhausting. That's not the case when you buy and sell a home with Orchard. They'll help you buy and move into your new place first, and then Orchard will take care of all the showings on your old house. That's right. You're already in your new house. No crazy last-minute scrambling. Take a look and see how Orchard can help you at Orchard.com and get started with a no-cost, no-obligation offer. That's Orchard.com.
enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by Nick and Sweeney and Randy. Two of the most famous people you will have the pleasure of meeting today, Drew. That's true. We got got Nick on the show. Um, A lot of people have been asking for this for years now. We've wanted to get someone on uh, that has firsthand experience with well, go on. I have first-hand experience with Randy's new music video, and oh my gosh, is that thing intimate. <gasps> he's like holding his phone and shaking it, and I'm just feeling like he's shaking my soul. It's pretty epic. And I know glorious you, 4K. You were HDR. glorious 4K shot on iPhone. HDR. I know, uh, I know where you're going with that, Nick, but I actually want to say a genuine shout-out. That Nick took the cover photo of of my uh, song. That was Nick's doing. Oh, yeah. Which which camera? The Sony. Uh, the one yeah, that we're recording one? on with the lens we're recording yeah. with today. So this is Whoa. meta in eight different directions. Well done. <laughs> uh, Nick is one of the few people who um, had an early, early, early screening of the song. I was like, I'm wrecking my head around this thing because he was helping me film Twilight. He was my direct, my DP for uh, mm-hmm. the, the Twilight music video. So we were, we were in a music mood, and I was like, I'm working on this song, and I, I showed him a demo of it, and he was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Explained the concept. I was like, this is how I feel like as a content creator and expectations, and I just want to be true to myself. And he's like, dude, this is going to be a good song. And then uh, later on that night, we went and go, Take photos of sunsets and stuff. As artists uh, well, do. We th- well, ended up some of it, and some of it made it in the Twilight music video. But then Nick was like, "We need to get you the next profile yep. cover photo that's mm-hmm. going to last a mm-hmm. year." Mm, and there uh, you, go. you guys, uh, since you guys have my um, my phone number, like you've seen, I've posted the photo as my uh, I don't, my I don't, avatar. I don't unless you that. didn't get the update, I, I still for have that. my Randy Memoji monocle. Oh. I wow. love that feature, by the way, because I still like my friend pulled out his phone and he was looking at our text message history and it had the little update button for the profile picture. Yeah. And he hadn't tapped it yet. And I was like, do it, Tap do it. it. <laughs> I, want, I want that to be my picture on everything. And he was like, no, I like the old one. And I was like, mm. it's just created such a uh, unnecessary drama. That's weird. How it doesn't force the update. Like, it's like, no, I want this to be your photo. And this is like a weird social media (laughs) thing. Special shout out to Sam from iUpdate. He updates his every week. Oh, that's funny. It's hilarious. That's funny. Every time time I go to text him, there's a new one. And it's like slightly different. It's still a (laughs) yellow background. But he just like adjusts the angle. <laughs> he just wants to make sure that picture's up to date. <laughs> Drew, look at Sorry what. Sorry to out you, Sam. <laughs> no, out him, out him. And while you're outing him, look at look at what Nick sent. That is an amazing. First of all, Drew's profile photo is gold, and mine is sophisticated so with for... the AirPods. He chose a. <laughs> Why is that my picture, Nick? <laughs> Why is I I don't know. For one. I did not to be take honest, that picture. I, I, that I is... don't know. Um, 
I just sent. Yeah, it was I from, know where it's from YouTube video or Twitch stream or something. I don't remember, but uh, I was like that. That the Twitch streams. Yes, rest, rest in, in peace, peace. Twitch streams. Yeah. What are those? I did, got rid of those. When I did do them, I would export them to YouTube and I would publish them before they had a custom thumbnail. In YouTube, auto thumbnails <laughs> will try to scan the entire live stream to. I think all it does is look for oh smiles. Oh no! I'm pretty no, sure that's all it, it does. takes. It takes a certain moment. At the very beginning, something dead center of the full video length, and then something at the very end. I feel like that's what it used to do, but now I don't see it doing that. It still intentionally will will choose to stop the because I'm not smiling most of my Twitch streams. I'm just talking. This is true. But He's yet, very all sad. Auto, all of the it's very depressing. <laughs> all of the auto thumbnails are always me in a mid smile because I occasionally will laugh. And that one that Nick is using was when. I was trying to do the imposter oh. meme from Among Us, where like the guy smiles really big. So I just did a big <laughs> smile, and then YouTube was like, "Let's use that. I That's, the That's the thumbnail." And then I got rid of it as quickly <laughs> as I could, thanks to Nathan for Not updating the thumbnail. No, nope. but <laughs> Nick grabbed it. It, <laughs> it lives forever on the internet. Randy's is a memoji for our audio listeners. Randy's is a memoji with a and monocle, AirPods. and his eyes are closed, and mm-hmm. he has an AirPod in, which is perfect. I'm, I'm predicting then, you did this when I got picked up on BuzzFeed for the I don't I speak so. broke I, thing. I, this, this has been around since <laughs> that, like tw- uh, I forgot that spring happened. of 2019. <laughs> it's been around for a while, is my memoji. Yeah, man. that's when I got picked I, up on BuzzFeed. And then we have the podcast gang group mm-hmm. chat picture, which was when I was a lot heavier than I am now. I know, that haircut really and did a number on you, Drew. Louise is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I lo- that's where I lost all my weight was a haircut. But Louise is in the background, despite yeah, her not I- being in the group chat, which I find funny. And also, Charlie, our old car, ah. is in that picture, hey. which we sold. A couple of years ago, we don't have that car anymore. But I'm just like, that's it an is. old picture. We should, we should. It's get a, a good new photo, one. though. And then I just got on my memories. Uh, I opened my iPad, and right there, one year ago, all of us with our uh, prospective wives at Lake Murray, <laughs> relaxing, Randy, having a cool pers- time. And then I prospective wives. I think you mean <laughs> prospective wife, because I don't have one. Oh, that's what did. I said. Yeah. Oh, he oh. said wives. Okay. I heard wives. Yeah. But Nick's is, perspective is wife invisible. is like yeah. his Apple Watch or something. I don't know. He's invisible. Oh, no. <laughs> 404 Our page not found. We can't see his wife. Yeah. But she's I saw in the, a I different saw... Four, mm. fourth dimensionally. She's, she's not in, in our perspective yet. That's a fancy way to say she's in his mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You ever see the you movie might. Her? That's yeah. Ben that's, Her? That's Nick. Have you ben seen Her, her yes. Nick? <laughs> her? No. <laughs> okay. What do we have on Tech News this week, guys? Ben Hur is a great movie. Wait, 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 wait. No, okay. I'm not done right, roasting. Roast I'm not done more. roasting. The chestnuts haven't been round browned no, enough just... yet. No, I was gonna say I was gonna end on a sweet note. I saw the photo of us from a year ago and it made me miss you guys a lot and I, I want us to try to still Aww. do something even though we're all even more scattered than before. That that hasn't stopped us before, so um, I was like, "Wow, it's been a year since we were all together, and that kind of sucks." Now that the reality it has, has been sunk now, in, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I've seen you guys right. individually mm-hmm. but since then, no, but it's, it's not, not. It's not the same. I, I miss. I miss no. us getting together and just y- y'all think you know, that the podcast and, is fun when we have all three of us on the podcast. It's way more fun in person. 
We, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Because it doesn't <laughs> Literally, stop. it's a 20-hour podcast. This is true. <laughs> people, you all act like you, people like, ah, oh, these guys, they got to entertain and make the button. No, this is how we really are. This is why we're shocked like the podcast even got to where it was. Like, we're just talking. This was... Us and just it's usually text yep. stuff. Yeah, literally. it's fun with occasional memes <laughs> occasional and occasional uh, noise. Wink, wink. Yeah, <laughs> constant. But now, constant now everyone's meme. ascending. Nick, Nick is a celebrity for getting like two million impressions on a tweet. Two and, and a half. And now. congratulations, by the way. Congratulations for those for those who may be out of the loop. Elon Musk replied. Yes, this is this tweet. is true. If you were just if you were case. out of the loop, that kind of made my day slash week slash month slash everything. All my IRL friends who know Nick personally start texting me, dude. <laughs> right, dude, did you see this? I'm like, please, you think the the moment it happened, I was trying to text you guys, but Nick beat me to the punch yeah. with a lot of profanity. Was, oh my god. A, I, I was no, 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 I'm still speechless if you couldn't tell. Um, I, over the past few days and a uh, week or so, I've been posting a lot of SpaceX news. And so lots of people have been following me, lots of people have commenting, all that fun stuff. So I pretty much turned off like all Twitter notifications. And so the day that Elon yeah. responded to that was an especially heavy news day. I'd, I'd broken quite a bit of news. And so my phone was blown up all day. So I turned off like I went into Twitter, like the advanced notification setting and turned off like almost everything except for like uh, mentions from people you follow or something like that. And so I was just like, man, this, this is terrible. So I was, I was editing something on my computer and my phone next to me. And my phone lit up, the screen lit up. And I looked down and I saw that it was Twitter, but it wasn't unlocked. And so I like leaned over to unlock it. And while I was leaning over, I was like, I turned off all the notifications. Dang it. So if this is another follow notification or like notification, I'm going to yeet this thing across the room. <laughs> and I looked down and as, as the uh, animation yeah. of it unlocking opens up, I see it's Elon Musk tweeted. And... Before I continued reading, I was like, oh, okay, Elon tweeted. All right, that makes sense. So let me see what he said. And uh, it said, Elon Musk hyphen at Nicky and Sweeney, winky face. And I couldn't compute that for like two <laughs> seconds. This is, this is a not so dramatic interpretation of it. Are you flirting with me? <laughs> I just like knowing. <laughs> Sitting in a Starbucks, everyone was like, what did this guy just do? Yep. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that was crazy. And now my DMs and all of my notifications are full of every single Bitcoin and Doge scamming bot out there. Little did I know, that is not fun. It's incredible that Twitter hasn't been able to I know. It's so take annoying. care of those. Like with, especially with how predictable they are. Like, go to any Elon tweet ever, and then just have a rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Like Twitter mods should have just machine a one-click <laughs> permaban machine gun. <laughs> you could just tap on the profile pictures, and be like, "That's a bot. That's a bot. That's a bot. That's a bot." And yet, every tweet has uh -huh. a million of them. I had about three hundred. Like, I don't them understand why it's so complicated. To, I was, yeah. It was crazy. I, I it, it messed up all of my notifications for the rest of the day, and they're still kind of messed up. If you're not going to give us an edit button, Twitter, could right? you at least right? get on totally. top of the bots at least? That'd be and nice. Maybe, maybe not have verified bots. That would bots. also be nice. Like, yeah. how backwards <laughs> logic is that? <laughs> you can have bots verified. that are doing crypto scams that are verified. <laughs> it's like, no, they don't no, verify no. me. They refuse to. That's because but, you're not a journalist. Yeah. Right. Have you seen that Gus Johnson video about... 
<laughs> Twitter verification. Oh, it's wonderful. People should check him out. Basically, it's like, <laughs> hi, I'm a YouTuber. I have a few million subscribers, and I just want to let people know this is my Twitter account. And they're like, oh, you want a verified check? No, I'm not giving you one of those. Hi, I'm a Twitch streamer. I have like four million followers. I just want to let people know this is my... Oh, you want one of these check marks? Yeah, I would love it. No, you can't get one. And then he goes up to this little kid... And the kid said, he picks up a piece of paper just with crayon markings on it. It's like, did you write that? Are you a journalist? Here, give this to all your friends. Have all these check marks. That is so accurate. That is oh so accurate. Oh, my God. Should make a website and write one article. There you just go. So we can we get need to do that. That's funny. Well, Nick was doing that journalist. at one point and then just completely shot us in the foot. Thanks, buddy. Excuse me. I'm just kidding. That's a joke, I mean, Nick. what happened. I, I, I'm lost. When he remember yeah, when he was I, making I seem, uh, his version I, I of, of to, Mac I rumors. I seem to remember someone shooting that idea down. His name rhymed with Mandy. I did. You're right. No, uh, I'm going to be 100. percent I'm I'm not even going to front. I shot that down. Okay, we're going to be honest. We're going to oh, be yeah. transparent, Nick. All right, let's do this for our listeners. Even evidently, Drew, we didn't have this conversation with Drew. Nick was like, "How about having a dedicated Talosive?" I'm like, dude, that sounds cool. It's like now it, it posts, it, it just it curates everything right there to a single location. And if we can get the app to acknowledge that as a view, so it still counts towards the Google AdSense and everything like that. And it's called works. we call this app YouTube. <laughs> and we call this app. <laughs> and I was like, this is a great idea for Drew-tube. we call it DrewTube. Excuse me. Oh no! All right. Whoops. Uh, that's a Twitch. Biggest mistake. That, that's the final Twitch thing. Uh, that was in his skit. So. For all our listeners, DrewTube. Hashtag. That's why I hashtagged it. <laughs> um, okay, so we called this app DrewTube. And uh, Nick was like, yeah, and then we're going to have like news articles to talk about this, that, what's going on. And I paused and go, Nick, uh, I, I'm failing to see the disconnect because he wanted the app, but then he wanted a website. And I was like, the app should take priority because the app will pay us. And then he goes... Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm just trying to feed my ego and compete with, like, 9 to 5 because, like, I always wanted to do that. I want to be a publication. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea right now, man. I'm going to be honest. I think the app uh, to have videos is, yeah, is more is a bad idea. prevalent. Personally. It, it wasn't was a bad idea, at the but time. it wasn't a great time now. or really good motives. <laughs> so that's why it didn't happen. And this conversation happened, like, back mm. in 2018, 2019. So, y'all. Oh, Okay. Speaking of conversations that happened a long time ago, have you guys caught the Mark Gurman story about the conversation between Elon and Tim? Bro. No. No, no, no. Do you think it's real? Look at my Twitter, Randy, while while I'm in a monologue here for a second. Dude, that that is probably the funniest funniest thing I've ever ever read. (laughs) Well, my first question before you even monologue is, Uh, do you think it's real? Do you think that's I'd, accurate? I'd say there's a greater than 50% chance that it's real, but a less than 75% chance that it's real. Yeah. What? Mm. Somewhere, so somewhere, somewhere in the 50 middle. And 75% chance I'm, this is real. I'm going to lean on it's. there's truth to it, but we're not getting the full context of the conversation, and it sounds more no, crazy I, I, than I, it really I think is. we got the full context. Wait, because I don't, I don't think Elon ever wanted. So, so okay. So, for I don't know. Completely lost. Mark Gurman uh, posted an excerpt from an upcoming. Yeah, book, let's cover this story. Um, where basically it's covering the story of Tesla, I believe, or maybe it's Apple. I don't know which vantage point it's from. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it includes the interaction between Elon and Tim Cook when Tim was uh, approaching Tesla to buy it in 2018. 
And um, we didn't really yes. know too much about it, except for the fact that negotiations fell off fairly fast. And now we know why, apparently. And the, the, negotiations, the negotiations will be short. Be extremely short. <laughs> um, and the, <laughs> the exchange there is, is kind, of, kind of funny to, funny to read. Basically, uh, I don't think, personally, I don't think Elon really ever wanted to sell. Uh, in 2018, Tesla was short on cash, so maybe they were looking for, you know, a 20% investment or 30% investment or something. But I don't think they were looking to completely sell out to, to Apple. Um, and yeah. so going into this meeting, I'm sure Elon was just humoring it, right? I, I, don't, I don't think Elon was really... I mean, I don't, I don't know the guy. I mean, he did respond to me on Twitter, so maybe I do. But uh, <laughs> pretty much, you guys are like, best friends. Practically, he stays over at my house, yeah. and we have sleepovers, and we just stay up all night talking about stuff. Like it's <laughs> lots of fun. I did, yeah, you yeah, saw him the other day, right? Actually, um, yeah, that's oh, not a joke. With, with, oh, and his family being too. sarcastic. Yeah, with his, his family. I mean, now you're sounding creepy, Randy. Unless it was photoshopped. <laughs> now you're sounding creepy, Randy. <laughs> No, it's not photoshopped. You can ask anyone who's down there. No, he's not being sarcastic. Um, yeah, so anyway, so Elon probably went into this meeting with Tim, uh, probably more on the arrogant Scott side, the more like, uh, I don't really need this, but I'm going to humor it because my aide told me I needed to. And so he hops on the phone with e- Tim. Yeah, Elon? I think that was what, how Elon was walking into this <laughs> okay. meeting. And so he hops into the meeting, and Tim and Elon okay. have, a, have a little conversation, and Tim's basically like, so, you know, we'd like to buy Tesla if you guys are uh, open to it. And Elon says... Well, I'm I'm CEO, and Tim's like, okay, you know, yeah, you can be the CEO of Tesla still. And Elon's like, no, I want to be the CEO of Apple. And Tim Cook said, off and hang up the call. So that's that's the story, embellishments and all, <laughs> and uh, slightly censored for family yeah. friendly versions. I have a similar thought process. I, I I believe it would be. Yeah, I, I think it's something like that as well. I doubt with all of the stuff Elon had on his plate that he legitimately wanted to become Apple CEO. It's just not a subject that's very interesting to him or not a company that I think he would want to spend much time on. So I doubt that was the original. He actually wanted to become Apple CEO, although I have to admit that <laughs> would be imagine a fascinating dub, dub. world to live so in. He made an, an, uh, he made an offer that was so outrageous because he was trying to sabotage the acquisition. Yeah. Well, I'm confused on timelines here because this report Mark Gurman is posting about says that this conversation took place in 2016. Mm. Okay. And there were a lot of reports and a lot of uh, news agencies talking about Apple trying to buy Tesla in 2013. And the main reason the deal wasn't going through is because Apple wasn't interested in Musk retaining his position. They wanted him put in check, basically. Apple didn't want having someone so... Uh, so much of a wild card or eccentric as Elon was, they were like, we're, we're interested in the tech of Tesla, but we don't want Elon there anymore. No, nope. And I heard that was the primary reason the yep. deal didn't go through. And so I could imagine there already being bad blood if you went to this meeting and they were like, so can you step down? You know, You'll be could rich. you do that? And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I like help build this company and I have a lot of passion in it and I think they need me. Otherwise, they're not going to work out. And 
ultimately, I do think it was the right move for them to not buy them out because uh, Apple probably never would have gotten past the Model S and X. They would have just stuck with those two and they, not that's really a made terrible enough to higher stream market. They would have stuck with <laughs> now a three hundred thousand dollars. They would have just gotten more expensive <laughs> this time with wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Apple would have rushed to make them cheaper, and they never would have made a truck. I think they would have just oh, sworn yeah. that off entirely. So I'm glad Apple did it. Would have had but, M1 though. So the, Elon do, do said. Do you think that, it's true? Do you think it's true, Drew? I think there's some truth to it, but we're m- not getting the full context of the meeting. I, he, Elon said he tried to reach out to Apple in twenty. Well, he didn't say the year. He just said in the depths of the production Model ramp. Three I that was production hell. After the, the, this, the, after yeah, this already the, happened. No, the timeline has it in 2016. Well, well, that's what this okay, article maybe is saying. Maybe there's more than one of these conversations. But so maybe this one happened in 2016, and Elon was arrogant and was like, yeah, no, F you, Tim. But Elon's tweet said that Tim never took uh, the meeting. In 2018, and he might have never this taken the meeting. is referring to right. before this. Um, but again, he, Tim, I mean, Elon did not provide okay. a year. All he said that it was in the depths of production hell. We don't know if it's 17, 16, or 18. It could really be anywhere in there, and it's still aligned with his tweet. Um but I have a hard – I just have a very hard time imagining Tim say F you and he, then He says it the just like he says good morning. And that's what this is F saying. You. <laughs> F you, Elon. I'm not interested in giving up good my morning, position. Good morning, Elon. <laughs> good morning. Uh, 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 hello, Tim. Uh, if this I want to be CEO. F you, Elon. <laughs> I just – that part of the story is the hardest to believe to me. I want to believe it's real because I like to imagine that Tim Cook has this like Walter White, you know, <laughs> stage presence, and then behind the scenes he's just this really aggressive angry Heisenberg. Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, just imagining the the leader of the most if you biggest really company think in the you world. Don't know who you're talking to, then I would tread carefully. <laughs> I am the one who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> now say my name. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Just it sounds so dramatic <laughs> that I have a hard time believing it's real. Oh, but I, am the- <laughs> I, what is believable is Elon joking during a business meeting, saying like, instead of just saying no, we're not interested, or no, your offer is not worth it. He just says, uh, sure, we'll do that offer if you um, uh, <laughs> make me uh, CEO of Apple. It would have Tim was just like, you know what? I've actually and Tim been was contemplating like, retirement. Are you kidding? I appreciate you saying this now, Elon. This is a perfect time for me to pass the reins over to you. <laughs> Could you imagine? Elon is is is. Hmm. Let's let's just let's just dwell on that thought for a second. What if Elon has been the CEO of Apple since 2017? What does this new timeline feel like? Mm. T- terrible. That explains air power. <laughs> I think now we know why air power didn't happen. E- e- Elon being CEO of Apple would be it a would terrible be. idea. I agree. Absolutely. Because the, the CEO of Apple position has very little to do with engineering and everything to do with saying good morning. Uh, finance and yeah. saying good morning figuring out what thing on the financially list of roles that the CEO of Apple has to do say good morning they just have so they have so little in common the, i mean apple is so protective of its brand 
where Elon is mm. the brand, and that's where the, yeah. the native <laughs> clash right. happens. Um, we follow Elon for Elon, not necessarily... I mean, who else would care if people were digging holes in the ground? You know what I mean? Like, we, we follow Elon because mm. Elon is the brand. But Apple is so protective of its brand, it's not going to let – it doesn't let, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, influencers represent or, or work for Apple because it's so protective of its brand. It's like, no, we control everything top down, left, right about it. And, whereas mm-hmm. Elon is like, yeah, uh, you guys can be our marketing. And it's, it's pretty good. And it's just – it's a whole different mindset. And honestly, Elon is too – he's too out there for Apple. You know what I mean? Like his personality oh, yeah. totally. type, just just how, how he is as a whole. Like Apple's, Apple's um, the company I'm, I'm that will s- go a million miles not to offend anyone too greatly. They're like, okay, so and then and there's such wordsmiths about backtracking yeah. something where it's like it was a good idea because they came up with it when they're like, okay, we messed up the on cube, the butterfly the mechanism didn't keyboard work in 2001. It was a fabulous product, <laughs> but it, uh, no, it's a flawed <laughs> idea. I don't think Apple has even commented on the butterfly keyboard. They, uh, I don't think they've said anything on it. No, but the way the way it. they had to address like the whole Bengate situation with the. Uh, the kill touch and all, and all that because of the lawsuit they were such yeah. wordsmiths about it where there's they're like well this is uh, things are meant to happen and, like they're, they're they're very good they're very they're business smart they're brand smart and and they do everything that a company should do to protect its investments as well as its um its life support because it's you know it's a living breathing entity as well whereas elon is our version of tony stark where he's just going to throw money to the wind and just Build a build a tunnel and and make a flamethrower and do all this stuff because he's he's got all this time and money. But unlike everybody else, I think his intentions are so good that it caused everybody else to kind of be like, maybe we should look at making better EVs. Maybe we should look at not going into space and all this stuff because he's so out there. He his his mind is on a whole different frequency. I'm really deep in this Elon book I'm listening (laughs) to. The Ashley Vance one. And so I believe the. The one I'll let you know. The the only one I think that's on. He's not that into it. He doesn't know who wrote it. I just just I I don't know who wrote it, but I know who's who it's about. Wait, yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's the one. You're right. You're right. Pretty good. Yeah, I think it it ends in 2015 yeah. though. So like Ashley should totally make a second one. Like he needs to get on that like stat. You'd have like a three volume. But with the with the book, the story's still going. With me feeling how Elon is and just kind of understanding a, 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 a more in depth of his upbringing and his character, I could see this meeting happening, and I could see maybe not Tim Cook necessarily saying "f you" and hang up, but I could see Elon. He's a he is a troller because he doesn't. He Elon, Elon can't be bought. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like he. He, too rich to be bought. <laughs> well, even but even like when he was know, doing Apple the whole has $2 uh, uh, so. x x dot com or whatever, yeah. like it, he took a he takes advantage of a situation to help fund something, but he's not trying to be the richest extravagant guy in the room. He sleeps no. on couches and conference Literally. rooms. He he has money to fund his passions, but he himself can't be bought the brands can be bought and funded but he, he can't be compromised that way i'm gonna make an ev i'm gonna make internet for the world i'm going to make the, uh, these far out there things and he's just gonna keep doing it if it doesn't work or if he gets bought out then if it's still funding his vision anytime he does a buyout it's because it's it was in support of still pursuing that vision so 
if Apple was to buy Tesla, it might have it would have been Appleified and all these things. And honestly, we wouldn't see a car even today. I don't think. I think we would still see the S and X for what they were pre Apple. But we, I don't think we would have seen another vehicle if that acquisition would have gone through apple would do that thing where they we're gonna wait until the market is matured and just be like they just refresh it like iphones or ipads they like update the model s and stuff but yeah that gets too close into ev i guess but funny we had a separate podcast where people (laughs) come check out our talks about evs see you over there there, (laughs) i will say starlink has been great i'm very happy with starlink congratulations Everybody, I'm glad Elon made it. Join me in the chat or in the wherever. Congratulating Drew on successful few years of Twitch, and uh, he Yay. concluded his final <laughs> stream done. yesterday it's as over. of recording this. And mm-hmm. uh, he did it on Starlink, and nothing went bad, and it was great. Congratulations, Drew, for uh, for fine tuning the well oiled mm. machine and moving your <laughs> your shifts to where the people want you. We're moving back. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually getting upload. I'm starting to get upload speeds better than Comcast really? now That's on Starlink, nice. which is That's amazing. really what, what encouraging getting? because that was the main reason. You're still in I beta. started. I mean, it's still yeah, in yeah. beta, so but it still I'm, fluctuates I'm a lot. You know, you can do a speed test back to back. But I was getting oh. over fifty up wow. Uh, wow. yesterday, nice. and Comcast maxed out at forty. I never, and it rarely hit forty. There were a couple times it it got to thirty nine, but it, I was paying for forty. And it was usually 35 to 39, yeah. somewhere in there. And yesterday I was doing the speed test because it was really, really smoky. And I was like, I wonder if the smoke interferes with the signal or something because weather's fine. But smoke is like yeah, different actual you know, density, different embers, actual particulates. So I was like, I wonder if this makes a difference. And I did a speed test and it was like, it's still going over 200. And it was starting to go over 50 on upload. And I was like, oh, so okay. Smoke this is getting interesting. Smoke starting but... better. Maybe, you know, California should be burning permanently. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it makes it better. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad to know it wasn't yeah, impacted yeah. by that. Because I was like, I didn't know anyone who did it. They also updated the Starlink app, which I was really happy about. Because um, they now let you separate the router network into 5 gigahertz nice. and 2.4. Which before it was a combined, and they you can also change the network name and password from the app now, which you couldn't do before. If you wanted to change the password, you had to go factory reset the whole system and start the re- start the entire setup from the ground up, which was kind of complicated, and I didn't feel like doing that. But I wanted to change the password, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna have to take the time to like shut everything off and restart the internet and all that. But now. Uh, the app is much, much better, and I'm glad they added that feature, and I hope they roll it out to the public soon because the speeds are good. And I was somewhat close to thinking about not <laughs> having Starlink in the future because T-Mobile launched this home internet oh, thing. No. Things I thought could never happen. Me in a punk band? What? We are Lady Parts, a new original comedy streaming only on Peacock. A confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. Syra, vocals, Aisha, drummer, Bisma, bassist, Mumtaz, band manager, and me, Amina, lead guitar. You were really good until you puked all over the front row. Ew. We are Lady Parts, all episodes streaming now, only on Peacock.
Sun, surf, and seduction collide as four Americans return to exotic islands hoping their sexy romances can turn into forever. Love in Paradise, the Caribbean, a 90-day story, streaming now only on Discovery+. Plus. Start your free trial. Terms apply. Sun, surf, and seduction collide as four Americans return to exotic islands hoping their sexy romances can turn into forever. Love in Paradise, the Caribbean, a 90-day story, streaming now only on Discovery+. Plus. Start your free trial. Terms apply. O'Reilly Auto Parts will help you find just the right parts, products, and accessories for your car so you can get the job done right the first time. We'll also test your battery and check engine light, change your wiper blades, and refer you to a repair shop if needed. Trust our professional parts people. We're here to help you keep your car on the road. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Wow, I've got a whole five minutes before my next call. What should I do? Grab a snack? Nah. Text with mom? Hmm, that's more than a five-minute proposition. I have been looking at getting a new bank account. Is that even possible? Can't believe you have extra time? You won't believe what you can do with it. Open a Regions checking account online in as little as five minutes. Then enjoy award-winning service and banking tools and tech that help you live in the moment. Learn more at regions.com slash live in the moment. Regions Bank, member FDIC. Lately, our homes have experienced more of us, more dishes, and more shower time concerts. And when those drains don't drain as they should, call Mr. Rooter Plumbing, a neighborly company. Visit MrRooter.com today. My crusade for the perfect pizza crust has led me here, pining over a backyard wood-fired oven. But how do I bake this build into my budget? Where can I get some solid guidance on my finances? Who can help me understand if I have the dough for this? A little financial advice. At Regions, we know that's important because your Life Green checking account comes with green print. Financial planning with a banker who will help you create a personal budget and live in the moment. Make your appointment at regions.com slash greenprint. Regions Bank, member FDIC. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. Streaming only on Peacock. John Wayne Gacy, killed 32. Straight from the killer's mouth. They want you to believe that I alone committed these murders. The new gripping six-part documentary series, John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. 90 Day is going tropical on the new Discovery Plus original series, Love in Paradise, the Caribbean. 
It's a vacation love story where sun, surf, and seduction collide. Four Americans are traveling back to the exotic islands where they hope their sexy romances can turn into forever. Love in Paradise, the Caribbean, a 90-day story. Streaming now only on Discovery+. Plus. Start your free trial. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Streaming only on Peacock. What do you know about Dr. Dunch? He was charming, intelligent. My patients mean everything to me. Based on the unbelievable true story. I can't make sense of it. Dunch has two deaths that we know of. The state of Texas has executed people for less. It's like he knew what he was supposed to do. And he did the exact opposite. Dr. Death. Starring Joshua Jackson with Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. I am going to fix you. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Sun, surf, and seduction collide as four Americans return to exotic islands hoping their sexy romances can turn into forever. Love in Paradise, the Caribbean, a 90-day story, streaming now only on Discovery+. Plus. Start your free trial. Terms apply. Tell me about this. And... Oh no! <laughs> I'm not for the to, to spoil the ending. I'm not doing it because ah, um, what's the speed point? test? <laughs> speed tests were uh, not as encouraging as I wanted, but I was close to maybe reviewing it. Essentially, I was glad that they unveiled it later because it was just available in my area a couple months ago. So it wasn't like this was available when Starlink was available. So. There wasn't any regret on ISP choice on my part, but it's, I think, $60 a month, and you get this little modem slash router. It's like everything in one package, and you plug it in, and it receives T-Mobile's cellular service and turns it into a Wi-Fi network Ah. and uses either 4G or 5G, whatever's available, and... I saw someone in our Discord got it, and they said it was offering better speeds than they could get with anybody else in the avail, uh, anybody else in the area. So we did the speed test on my phone because I still had the test drive app, and the download is really, really good. That's uh, if all I cared about was download, I would be very tempted to switch to. Most people T-Mobile do Home. only care about download. I get it. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I get why, but I was doing speed tests with T-Mobile, not Mint Mobile, although I I just ended my test drive trial and went back to Mint Mobile, and the speeds were exactly the same. So I was like, okay, doesn't make a difference. But um, with download, I was getting over 300 here, which is better than I've got with Starlink. But the upload was still like 10, and... I was looking up reviews of the home internet thing, and a lot of people were saying it's unreliable because the home internet modems are deprioritized to mm. the phones. And there were a bunch of people Why? complaining. Why? That's so ridiculous. 
it's like a backup thing because they're not in, they're not trying to become a next Comcast. It's they're pitching it as more of like a Starlink thing, where it's like uh, for those who don't have access to fiber and but whatnot, somehow you, have you can use to this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess a lot of people do. I, people in the Discord were like, I live out in the middle of nowhere, and we end up using oh. our phones for internet. I mean, that's what yeah. my family did. But for me, at um, least, my ex- personal before, experience, uh, T-Mobile's never been reliable in the boonies, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just depends where totally. you are. Um, so they, the the upload is not a, a really impressive, and also there are a lot of people who are commenting that like there there's no warning when they do maintenance on the mm-hmm. towers and stuff. So you'll just be in the middle of using the internet, and then Oof. it shuts off. And it says directly on the website like this isn't good for like security cameras, like always connected accessories. Mm. They're like it's meant to be a ba- we're, they're basically pitching it as a plan B internet service of like if your your main internet isn't good this is a good backup but it was you know forty dollars a month cheaper than starlink and i was seeing the speeds people were talking about and i was like well i really love starlink (laughs) i I don't want to give it up but this is going to save a bunch of money but i was doing the speed test and i was like yeah the upload's not very good and i'm hearing it's not super reliable so I don't need to exchange it's, a beta service for an unreliable service. <laughs> I think the unreliable portion, like the beta portion, will get better over time. But the, my, oh, yeah. it seems to me the bottleneck for T-Mobile is where their towers are then located. So for someone like Nick back mm-hmm. home would not do him any good regardless of yeah. what happens just because they don't seem to be out there. T-Mobile True. Um, seems to be best in uh, – populated states not necessarily locations so mm. um i was i was on the website looking at at their like their overall uh data of of where their coverage is at and why it works because i've had people tell me too it's like oh t-mobile works great here and they're like in uh texas i'm like well texas is a big state so that part makes sense then um t-mobile what's interesting is verizon offers something similar and i check for availability and they don't mm. have it here where i live so Update because I, I know weird. we talked about the about me leaving T-Mobile last week, um, and I was looking at Visible. There is a caveat to my Visible consideration. Um, we and actually, I have questions for you, Nick. It's, it, 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 when it's talking about deprioritizing your data usage, it, it, it didn't give a cap. So, is it saying like at any point, if the network's congested, you're going to get deprioritized first, or is it after a threshold? Because the website didn't verify. Uh, ca- yeah, verify so, that. on Visible, um, you're always deprioritized, which results gotcha. in really just longer ping times, but the speeds mm-hmm. never seem to be affected. Um, so, on Visible, okay. you're always deprioritized, but. In my experience, that takes your ping from 20 milliseconds to 100 milliseconds. And at the end of the day, you really don't notice that. Like, I'm sorry, you got to be doing some, like, yeah. pretty intense mobile gaming <laughs> to notice a ping difference of yeah. 80 milliseconds. Nick's not a gamer. Um, and that does depend <laughs> on your location. Um, I know when I was on Sprint, I had right. an MVNO of Sprint for a while. Whenever I went downtown on Sprint, um, my deprioritized speeds the ping would be like in the thousands of milliseconds. Like it would, it was bad. And so it depends on where you're at. But in my experience, about a hundred milliseconds is what I've been getting on the ping. Um, and, but then, yeah, everything's unlimited after that. So unlimited data on gotcha. both the hotspot and the regular phone hotspot though is throttled at five megabits a second at five. I, that part I saw too, is like, okay, so you only get five for download, but which hey, is, it's cheaper I mean, than AT&T. 
It's cheaper oh, than it's cheaper than Verizon. <laughs> there's too. not much that isn't cheaper than AT&T. <laughs> yeah, or Verizon. Those two are like you know, that's about if if your goal is to spend as much as possible on your phone bill. Yeah, then go that, to them. That's that. They're Does per, they're perfect. Visible let you stream off Wi-Fi uh, up to 1080, or is it capped at 480? I've never noticed that actually take into effect. Like I've had that restriction for years on a lot of my different plans and I've even paid to have the premium Verizon ones that remove that restriction. But in YouTube I can always hit yeah. the ten eighty button. It never doesn't allow me to hit that ten eighty button. So I'm not really I mean, sure what that does. We could hit four K on no, our no, twelve no. minis, I, but I, we're I not gonna see four K four eighty and ten eighty for sure. And and okay. it always it always works. Um but maybe okay. if you're watching something in Safari via the you know, web app play or something. I don't, I don't, I've never noticed where that restriction comes into place on the carriers, but evidently. I asked not necessarily, not specifically for the resolution, though it would be nice. I asked because that would, that would indicate to me the, uh, you answered the, the prioritization part, but it would also indicate to me about, um, how much, uh, speed is actually coming to the phone then because visible says it supports 5g and 5g ultra band, whatever the hell that means. But, um, <laughs> I, I, that's the stupid, one thousand right thing, yeah no which one no one no, and it's gonna nuke your battery <laughs> like that no no thank you but you can watch your videos and your battery will suffer faster than ever <laughs> the battery health will degrade to lower than 70 percent but um <laughs> so i i only ask because uh i feel like streaming something on the youtube app if you can go to 1080 if it doesn't let you go to 1080 that's an indicator of speeds as a whole but if mm-hmm. you're saying you're not having an issue and you're only deprioritized in the sense of pinging, but not speeds itself, then maybe it's, it is something still worth looking yep. to. But these were questions I couldn't really see on the website, and I wanted to save it for the show, just in case anybody the else biggest, was considering. The biggest problem with recommending carriers is that it, it's just always going to depend on where you are. Yeah. It'll be a totally different story for mm-hmm. Nick than it will be for Randy. And that's why I think the test drive feature is so important, and I wish more carriers would offer that because... Okay giving people a test to know is this actually going to work where i am or is it going to be garbage i don't want to spend a hundred dollars on signing up and getting everything booted up just to find out that i can't get any service where i am so i will i'm glad t-mobile offers that and um i hope more people can too because i really wished that we had better signal for t-mobile out here because i would love to move to mint um i would not do I wouldn't do unlimited. I would. I'm staying under uh, 15 gigs. I've I've been looking at my my data usage, um, being out in town. I'm like, okay, so this is my new norm. Uh, Visible's uh, enticing feature is that like it really doesn't matter because it's all unlimited. So in that sense, I I don't mind it. But if I could stay with something more affordable, and I understanding my data usage now, because the the thing is. Going to Mint right if I if I have signal and I can go to Mint right now, it doesn't mean I have to stay with Mint forever. Sure, they're both yeah. plants and stuff like that, but I understand that I'm here. Uh, how is I getting noise in here, Nick? Okay. Dude, I'll look at that in a second. Dude. I'll look at that in a second. Uh, I'll just finish my thought here. Um, I I know that my time here is limited, so I would like to try to uh, align mobile usage with my iPhone the same way and mint seems to be the best way to save the most money for times that you know like okay you're going to be here for next amount of time or what have you it, it would make sense here unfortunately T-Mobile doesn't seem to be powerful here for the next couple of years so 
It's it's sad because I, I I like anything yeah. that Ryan Reynolds is involved. Admittedly, you know. Oh yeah. It's cool. I like not. I, I like intuitive, futuristic uh, approaches to like do everything from the app. You don't need to talk to somebody. No overhead. Do this. Do that. Um, it's it's just re, re, kind of reinventing something that doesn't have to be so legacy about like going to a store, getting all these fees, getting this that. You mm-hmm. don't need all that. So. All right, Nick. What's Holy going on? Fill, fill, fill we me. have live, we have live updates as we're recording <laughs> this, this that the audience probably happens. already knows about. This is but. so funny because <laughs> normally we talk about something <laughs> after we finish recording; it becomes outdated. So, Mr. Musk, my personal best friend, um, it's just tw- thank God we record on thank Fridays goodness. now. I know. Can all right, what, what's going on? Sorted out if we started tomorrow. Um, Mr. Musk confirmed. <laughs> Thank God we record on Friday. We should we record, should record on, Friday. on Saturdays. You know, it's a good idea. Mm. Mr. Musk confirmed <laughs> that uh, Higgins managed to make his book both false and boring, meaning that Elon says that that uh, fu bomb mm. from Tim never happened. And uh, I disagree that it's boring. I, 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 it's one thing to be false, but that, it's no, fairly Drew, that interesting. Just means in my the actual conversation was even more interesting, if you could imagine that. Oh, so. There's okay, that. I don't and know then, how. A little bit later, Elon decided to just nuke Apple from orbit again, and he said, "App Store." <laughs> <From orbit. laughs> I mean, literally. He, Elon could he literally, literally could do at that. some point. Okay. Um, FAA wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> like, they, uh, and Elon's like, like "Is we, there a specific rule they about a nuke you know there. nuking people from orbit?" Uh, no. Oh, there, there is, is okay. actually, but well, not in that whatever town <laughs> you found. United Nations that, worked on that a while. Was that in Chico, Drew? That was like, you know, you can actually detonate yeah. nuclear bombs or something. In Chico, <laughs> a there's a five hundred dollar fine if you detonate a nuke within city limits. So if you're outside city limits, <laughs> so Eli, but I think the United Nations. <laughs> this is really on totally. subject here. The United Nations did pass a law back in I think the '60s or '70s that said they didn't want anybody to have nuke nuclear weapons in space but uh there are prototypes of big giant essentially rails that you could fire that are not nuclear or even mm-hmm. combustible or any way but they're giant pieces of metal that you could get going really fast and if they hit the earth they would probably cause nuclear type of disaster it would it would not be a nuclear uh, what's it called? radioactive yeah, it would, explosion it would be a big there wouldn't boom. be fallout but it would cause a Big boom. So Elon so, just did that to Apple, you know. and uh, Elon sided with Epic, <laughs> and Elon said Apple oh, Store goodness. fees are de facto global tax on uh, the internet. Uh, Epic is right. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, Elon. Well, add this to the list of things I don't agree with Elon on. <laughs> Let's talk there about are quite it. A I don't few know. Things. Elon just said that he believes um, that, so I guess I now agree with him there. So I just switched my position. <laughs> Nick is staying on the uh, Elon fanboy <laughs> no. side. There's still a you lot of things I don't... You high-fived the guy once, all <laughs> of a sudden you throw logic out the window. <laughs> if you high-fived him in, you agree with yes, everything he's ever said. That's how, record, the, I have not that's how friendship him in, works. But First of all, can I just say the App Store is not the internet? It is on the internet. <laughs> I mean it. I, I don't mean even it. think it is, <laughs> Instead, I, we d- we talked about this in web development. Oh my God! I remember something from school. It <gasps> happened. I never he thought this day would come. Using something from but school, yeah. everybody, everyone, take note. There was, there was a, there was a time when I was in college where they explained to us the difference between the internet and the <gasps> web. What's the difference? 
was like, there's a difference between www and something that you access online. And I believe the App Store is something you access through the internet, but it is not Ooh. the internet. Fancy. That's deep. The and internet lets you access websites, but okay, yeah, it's different. It's like you're, you're, it's like your iMessage app doesn't use a website, mm-hmm. but it does use the internet basically to send texts. And there's a there's a difference there, but um, I I happen to disagree with Elon <laughs> on that one. So if that's the case, then where's where's Tesla's uh, third party app store Oof. that doesn't require Oof. a Oof. fee and also. Uh, if if any third party, uh, never mind. <laughs> no, let's go. Let's <laughs> we'll go. Save it for you. Yeah, I, oh, I don't okay. know. Right, today's, right, today's right. I was going to say this is a good EV subject. All right. We'll rehash we're, we're all of this. All Elon is on the EV podcast <laughs> in just a few minutes here, so we be should for that. Yeah, this should. is really merging the two, isn't it? We should well, combine the shows. If, uh, we should do a tech well, EV I'm, combo I'm, show. If Tesla sells, if Tesla sells their full self driving software or their proprietary connector to other EVs in the future then they shouldn't take any fees on that because then they have a de facto global tax on electric vehicles. I think Drew's got a new video idea. (laughs) I don't know where to post it. Both. Uh, Why not? We're talking about the stuff on this channel, on this episode here. But I film it in two different angles and just say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not the same file. It's like one for tech with the tech background and one for EV back. Oh, this is confusing. This uh, is why this is why you need um, Twitch Drew and Drew Two back because this is where you can do both things at once, all at once. So, does yeah. this mean? Okay, hang on. I'm I'm trying to understand. I'm I'm trying to understand Elon's position on this. Is he okay. saying Epic is right because Apple is? Controlling the internet based off of their platform. I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to play devil's advocate, but I don't understand the position. Help me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It doesn't. I know. Well, uh, help me. me. Exactly. You're better at this, than, you're better at this we'll than, than I am. Here. Yeah. Let, yeah. let Elon. Uh, Elon know yeah. we're confused by his position. By I want to just say his boomer is showing. <laughs> his bo- <laughs> like the app store is not the entire internet. But he's acting like mm. it is. It's a, he's acting like Safari doesn't exist. You know, people can sign up and pay for things directly but if he's to businesses saying the only the way web. you can get to things is through the app store because that's the preferred way because that's what things are optimized for. But that's just not true. I, I Google things from Safari. I don't ever use the Google yeah. app. I've never downloaded the Google app or the Google yeah, uh, uh, search app, whatever. Me neither. I, I, I've always I use Marquez does, but I yeah, don't. he does. Yeah, I don't use the apps for anything, but except for a hyper specific uh, cause, like t- Twitter is is more optimized, YouTube is more optimized. But even then, I I, I kind of hesitate with the app on YouTube because now the the pip just doesn't work anymore. So that's the thing. But I use Safari for all internet research and and anything i'm inquisitive about i have a bad habit of not even using yelp when i'm trying to find like when when we go to like a uh, say we we go to uh dc and like oh let's have a let's go to a restaurant up here uh my wife will go to yelp and like oh this one has so and so start and i just go to google i go food around me (laughs) or something but in safari i do it such a bad way i or i'll do it in the maps app Mm -hmm. but 
Even then, no, not really. I used I used the internet, but I also acknowledge that I do things a lot different. So I'm trying to see: is Elon saying you can only really access the internet today through your? What, the stance is mobile is the main internet. That's what he's implying by the tweet: is that he they have a tax on basically the entire internet because. They have fees on the App Store, which I personally don't agree with because a lot of transactions are not done through the App Store. And the only reason businesses want to put things for sale through the App Store is because Apple built a platform people feel really comfortable spending money on because they know there's not much mm-hmm. malware and scam. So that's not an easy thing to build. Yeah. And it's it's the same thing as a grocery store or a Walmart. It, it's, it's like saying, or you, you know, take they the, have take the analogy a little bit further, Costco or Sam's Club. You got to pay membership fees to get yeah. into those. Do you you have to access those, but they don't have a monopoly on groceries. I agree. They just have a really okay, popular Mr. option member. that a lot of people like. <laughs> you know, like a ton of people want to use, uh, go there because Costco or whatever has. I don't have a Costco Me membership neither. for the record, but I know a lot of people that do, and people go there because they've built a store and a, a platform and a, basically a, an area that people feel comfortable going with. And so if you try to get your products in there, there are going to be fees on those products and that type of thing. I don't really see it any different with the App Store, personally. I, I don't – okay, so let's, let's, let me expand that even further. When you go anywhere outside of a digital marketplace, there is a – there's a tax that is either a sales tax – or the, the, like, like Oregon doesn't have a sales tax, but they get their money in, in other means and stuff like that. But yeah, um, there is a, there is a tax on on services provided as upkeep for infrastructure, as upkeep for for um, to to for overhead costs and stuff like that. And that's something that we just kind of oh, okay, we, we accept it, and it's it's all things small. But even if you do, even if you do something that's more <laughs> local market if there's a food market um people will go there but that's generally more expensive thus i calculate that as some type some part of the tax if organically grown local source stuff has always mm-hmm. been more price there is a there's a cost of doing business regardless even when we use safari and we do something it's not it's not free. This goes back into the privacy thing. We become the, 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 the product at that point. And so it's not even really free at that point. But to say that the App Store is our barrier to entry to access things, and if you want to, as a business, want to put something on the App Store, you have to pay to be online. My first thought is people like us, if we wanted to do something, and we've entertained the App Store, we've done, you know, things like that has gone through the App Store, but we would be more prone to do something with Squarespace and have a website or a link tree or something like that because our business, utilizing the infrastructures that are provided like the podcast or Spotify or YouTube, comes at the cost of people wanting to pay those platforms a, a rate. Or maybe they won't. If you're not paying with the premium services, you're paying through ads, just watching ads or listening to ads. And our business, as the business side of it, doesn't cost really anything out of our pocket in the same means as that we have to go through Apple. It's We're, we're funding the platform directly with uh, Spreaker or 
with YouTube. I mean, we all have, I think we all have YouTube premiums. So like we fund it directly ourselves that way, almost as consumers ourselves. So I don't think the app store is a fair comparison to say that this is your tax to the internet when on the reverse end of that, it's Google would be more more liable, not liable, but be more fit that picture because everybody knows what Google is. Everybody uses Google. Everybody understands yeah, what that is. There's a lot of competition with the App Store versus you know the Play mm-hmm. Store. Yeah, they're not. It, iOS isn't ninety percent. You, you can't YouTube, say it's Apple without saying Google as well, and Google <laughs> right. being even a, a worse uh, offender for it. Right. YouTube has a much bigger monopoly on internet content than I would say uh, App Store has a monopoly on. One hundred percent. Yeah, or or and YouTube's uh, revenue cut is higher. Everybody uh, knows YouTube, and in some capacity, everybody goes to YouTube, even if it's just an embedded link on a different site, gets yeah. pulled from YouTube. Not everybody has an iPhone. Some people have never been on the App Store. And, and mm. Google Search is a whole other. It's like ninety nine percent compared to the competitors' uh, market share. So, yeah, I don't. And really you have to pay Google how. if you want to pr- if you want to promote your website or your business or your merchandise or whatever. I know because I've ran ads on Google. The, like mm-hmm. you have to pay them too, and it's, it's this is the price. The thing is, even if this is the case, like I'm okay with this. This is business. Yeah, I think it's this it's is healthy. Fair. I mean, this is healthy. It might not may, maybe fair is not the right term, but it's it's a situation I don't necessarily think there can be much done about. You can't just necessarily come up with a really popular search engine that everyone switches to or another YouTube. I hey, tried myself. I didn't have to code <laughs> the darn thing. I didn't have to build it. If you, yeah. if, if me to use your thing is because you had to build it. I think that's they're a fair exchange. That money. Of, yeah. They're they're maintaining it and they they built something that obviously takes a lot of work and I complain about it a lot. YouTube makes all these crazy decisions I don't agree with, but I acknowledge that it's not easy to do something like what they're doing and it's the same thing with Apple's App Store. It's like it's not easy to make a really secure, very reliable platform that a lot of customers feel comfortable spending their money on and it makes sense to me that the the maker of that platform would want a cut of all the revenue because you're putting your app somewhere where people are known to comfortably spend money and if we started allowing alt app stores and anybody can start making their own platform it's way way easier to get into malware and having less uh uh privacy and less security on the platform because now you can just have any developer from anywhere put apps I mean, Elon, look at all the bots you have following you on Twitter everywhere you go. <laughs> like, imagine if they could put any app they wanted on any iPhone. Uh, <laughs> they would be putting all kinds of scamware out there. And uh, I think Apple wants to protect that. And, again, Apple's not dominating the market as much as Google's dominating search or YouTube dominates video And it's content. a business. It's- like, my God, this isn't a charity. We know what this was. <laughs> All of it, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like it's it's. This is a for-profit, <laughs> yes. pure American, you know, capitalism uh, society, and and the, the internet's the access to the internet is for all intents free. But even that's not free because you have to pay then service yeah. providers. ISPs cost money too. ISPs so. or carriers, like nothing is free. It's, like it's just no accessible. Such thing as a free lunch. No. Mm. Indeed. Uh, do you think uh, Except Elon for that sandwich is that trying Brittany to get made Randy the other day? That looked really <laughs> yummy. <laughs> I, I did not eat for the rest of the day. That thing was huge. That was, I, was, I was getting hungry watching you eat that sandwich. 
I wonder it, if Elon is trying to get people. <laughs> oh, good. Is Elon trying to get people wanting him to become CEO of Apple by saying, hmm. if I was CEO, I'd get rid of the App Store fee? <laughs> I'm not sure how Apple fans would feel about that. He's a troll. He's just trolling. No, when, it, when I ran the poll on how people side with the Apple versus Epic thing, um, it was fairly overwhelmingly Apple sided. But I, mean, I guess that makes sense with my audience. But even outside of that, how the court case is going, it sounds like it's leaning towards Apple in favor. Um, I think Spotify had a better argument, personally, than Epic did. <laughs> um, so if you want to side with someone, I wouldn't side with Epic, personally. Um, what was uh, How was Spotify's position different? Because they're saying that... Uh, uh, well, Spotify didn't like intentionally break TOS to get themselves right. banned and then tell all of their fans that it was Apple's fault. Right. Epic like knowingly and intentionally built a whole marketing campaign and then broke the App Store terms and conditions knowingly so that they would get banned and then they told their whole fan base that apple banned us it's their fault it's like apple didn't change anything they were just enforcing the same laws they've had for like 10 years now you guys changed your policy intentionally knowing it would break the rules and then got mad about that uh so i thought that was scammy and sketchy to just act like apple changed their policy when they didn't do anything different and um Spotify was not being allowed to advertise like sales in the App Store. They, like Apple was preventing them from saying, "Hey, we're having a discount on Spotify Premium." That's or right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. uh, "That seems kind of mean or kind of unfair that they can't do that." Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's more complicated than I think. Maybe they, there's some rule about you can't have a link in the App Store that forwards people to a web page that. It has a subject. I don't know. There, it, there might be more complications to it, but I at least thought it sounded more fair. And Spotify wasn't trying to turn their own audience like they were like Apple's changing everything. You know, yeah. it just it felt Spotify like Spotify exists a, for for where it's at, and and they're not they're not trying to. They're they're just trying to do their own thing. Spotify yeah. is trying to be the all in one audio thing with their podcast right. now, and it, 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 they, they just. They're their own thing. And there's Spotify has a lot of uh, outside of it, podcasts. They also have a lot of Spotify exclusives uh, with music. I found out not with like like Billie Eilish isn't going to have a song that's only on Spotify, and and it wouldn't no. be on Spotify for She's five. She's got months. a lot of uh, Apple contracts but, too, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. But what she can have, for example, is Billie Eilish can have a Spotify performance song or something mm-hmm. or a spotify studio thing i've seen some audio uh, uh uh artists and bands do something like that where they're like oh this is a spotify original uh uh, uh reimagined of the song to sound a little different and it's just it's more it's just a promo thing more than anything the same way um apple allows previous albums of anybody to then have a bonus edition and they can go in and add bonus tracks to it after the Mm -hmm. fact instead of pulling the whole album down taking away all that uh analytical data and metadata and all that and they're able to do stuff like that so it's then it's 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 considered the only version instead of here's the album and then here's the deluxe version it's just all in one yeah apple does that so stuff like that spotify's just doing its own thing and if they a a some people like the UI better. Some people like the playlist better because now why would you go to Spotify? Because maybe curation is a little bit different. Maybe you like having 
Joe Rogan as one of your main guys, and you can only watch yeah. it there. You know what I mean? Now like, they're hoping for. They're doing a lot of exclusive content. They that are type of thing. An app, and maybe so. they like it all in a single app. Maybe they don't want to yep. have a podcast app and a sure. and a cast uh, cast whatever Google forecast app. Well, I forget Google's mm-hmm. one. Maybe they like Chrome having. Cast. I like the simplicity <laughs> of Spotify's one stop shop for everything. That's sure. cool to me. And if you and if Spotify can one up that one stop shop to say in our own app, you can see when we're having sales, discounts, promos. And you could do it within the app. I do support that. And if Apple says no, like you said, Drew, maybe there's under, underlining fe- uh, situations about. That's the tricky part. I don't. I don't envy Apple. This is a very difficult discussion they have to make because moving money is you a can't hard make thing. rules. You can't make rules for just certain app mm-hmm. developers, which is a shame because that would fix a ton of problems. Yeah. If you could just say, Spotify can have a premium button, but not like any nobody can have a button that we don't get a fee on right um, then it's then it's playing favorites it's like yeah you can't grant special privileges to certain developers you if you make a rule change it has to be applied to everyone so any type of suggestion a third party app makes apple has to see how can that be exploited and how is someone going to abuse that how is someone going to put a subscription tab in there that's wrong or, or jump people to another website that scams them and um, you i'm sure there's app store app store policies about like if you allow a button within the app to jump someone to a web page and subscribe to something um then that means a, a, but if the site is like a, a scam mm-hmm. or the site has things that the app store isn't comfortable with then you can sign people up for things they don't want and then you got more of an issue and people are less comfortable spending money so it's not an easy choice maybe it's a liability too that people could say that, that apple uh, I, yeah, this app forwarded me to this. Site yeah, and, and they can, and, and, and Apple doesn't want to be on the hook for any liability if, right. if you're doing some malicious intent about signing somebody up for something you didn't sure. pay for. Um, Apple would have a hand in that, and they don't want any liability on that. And that part makes sense too. It is tricky. It, there's no, there's no right answer. It's not an easy answer. Yeah, yeah. it's not a. I, I get people's concern with Apple becoming too powerful or just having too much of a control over the internet, but I just think that the alternatives are also not good. Right. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting debate to, to be had, but I think it's important to look at it from both perspectives, and the Elon tweet doesn't feel like it's looking at it from both perspectives. It feels like a one... Where do you side on it, Nick? Personally, um, I would have to agree with Apple as far as not wanting to allow every Tom, Dick, and Harry to do whatever they want on their platform. Um, But at the same time, as someone who, you know, when we were working on that Talosov app, which we've mentioned more times today than I think I've mentioned it in a year and a half. uh, (laughs) It's not happening. Exactly, it's not happening. But, but like, we we, that was a big discussion point uh, internally when we were trying to figure out how is this going to make money. You know, are we going to monetize it through the app store? Is that going to be, but then, you know, back then it was a 30% cut. Now it's 15% for small devs. Um, or, which is or, good. Yeah, cool. no, which is great. Yeah. I'm glad that they reduced that. Um, or are we going to find some other different ways to do it? And then what about people who subscribe on a Google device and then move over to iOS? What happens with that? And anyway, it's like a lot of this external questions come up when you're trying to figure out, you know, okay, do we, do it on a website with like a Stripe membership and get credit card numbers. Basically that sounds like Mm -hmm. a lot of work, honestly. And so Apple bundling it all together and just being like here, yeah, it's going to cost you 15% now and you don't have to worry about it. You literally just get a check every month and that's awesome. 
so yeah, I, I, I appreciate what Apple's done. Um, so yeah. Overall, I, overall, I'm kind of tired too of talking much? about this, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, we've been talking about this since, like, what, December of 2019? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it hasn't gotten anywhere, when, has when, it? When did this I start? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just round It feels like it started three years ago, and we're still just, Epic's still it's mad. But I just didn't like that uh, because Epic was upset with the revenue cut, it resulted in their whole fan base not being able to play the game yeah, at all. Yeah, that's fair. I was like, that, that feels... Like, cheap. they were prioritizing themselves, especially when they're partially owned, or I think majority owned, by Tencent, which has been accused as being just as big a monopoly <laughs> as Apple is. So it's like, eh, you guys, I don't know. I, the other thing I've always mentioned is, like, if there was evidence that allowing alt stores resulted in better revenue or a better platform, that would be a you would have a better argument in your favor, but that's the thing. What what developers want as a whole community, third parties and first parties alike, is you want lots of customers willing to spend money, right? Yeah. You want lots and lots of people that are comfortable to give different businesses and different games and apps their cash. Mm. And Apple has shown with their own app store that they have created a platform that people are very comfortable doing that because the app store accounts for a huge amount of all mobile spending mm -hmm. compared to the Google Play Store um, which is much smaller yeah. and there's a platform Android that allows for the alt stores or is comfortable with people downloading non first party non Google approved software and there's more malware there's more privacy concerns and it overall results in people spending less money so it's like okay that's what Google has done do you want Apple to follow and do the exact same thing as them and result in people spending less? Just so that you can say there's no revenue cut. I understand this very complaint because of my whole Twitch to YouTube mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> you know, when I first wanted to switch to Twitch, it was because the revenue cut was better. And I was like, uh, this is more fair and it's more honest and I appreciate the flexibility Twitch has. And I still do think that for a lot of people, Twitch makes more sense than YouTube for live streaming. But the frustration arose when I realized that people are far more comfortable super chatting or donating on YouTube than they are on Twitch. Even though YouTube's revenue cut is much higher than Twitch, um, people are just more comfortable with the, the method of seeing their own currency and donating that. I have another theory about that. this super chat I don't think we've talked about. I think oh, okay. people are more comfortable because also Super Chat, it, it, it's it's more rewarding. It, it's more visually stimulating when you see this big old bloop. Like, you get praised right. for Super Chatting in a way that mm -hmm. I don't see the same acknowledgement on yeah. on right. Twitch. Twitch. That's is why like a lot of streamers have to have the built-in thing where it shows right. up on screen and boop, says, boop. wow, you donated this. But on YouTube, it's right there. I, it's <laughs> from doing years of streaming on YouTube and years of streaming on Twitch... For whatever reason, people on YouTube are far more comfortable donating mm -hmm. larger amounts. On Twitch, it's like, have 10 cents here. Have, and I'm, I'm still super grateful for everyone who's donated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Every penny off helps. Quite. Not trying to come off <laughs> too pessimistic about this. But if we're just talking about the amounts here, grateful for everybody. But here, if we're just Drew, talking about the amounts. No, screw you. You can't have it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Google needs a cut of that yeah, if you give it to so me. So rip that in or a third. Or FaceTime needs a cut. Rip, rip a third of that dollar bill but it's on youtube people are more comfortable going like eh, five bucks here's ten bucks here's five but on twitch it's like here's five cents here's uh 20 cents 
Maybe because it's also <laughs> so much easier. Like it just it's it's almost too easy to super chat. Right. With those numbers. Because it's right all there. presented in their own currency too, and it's just mm-hmm. a larger platform overall too. So that yeah. helps. But and, I, uh, and honestly, and more trusted from, as well. Like yeah, a, a psychological factor is that, and, and I and I thought about this too. I think the fans like no mouse intent like they actually think it's it's going towards you know a good support like i'm helping i want to support this guy on this platform that i like to Mm -hmm. use and they're doing it with purest intentions of like i'm trying to you know i'm i'm pitching in a little extra here and there and i think as much as we say and as much as we specifically we've talked about it there's still a disconnect about the cut Mm -hmm. and that's not that's not on the end user's side to establish or to to resolve or to worry about because their thing is like, hey, here's here's five dollars. Here's ten bucks. You're doing a great job. Love the content. Don't have any questions for you, Drew. I just want to tell you that I appreciate what you're doing. And YouTube is just not being upfront saying out of this, you are they're only going to get this amount. And yeah, they don't say that. If they I think did. it says something in the chat like a, a portion of the super chat is given to the creator or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Super, they mainly highlight it as a way to get your message read. They're yep. helping, the, they, 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 <laughs> which it works. They want to help you. It works. It does I can't work. blame them. It does work. They want to help you, but they uh, people don't understand how much they're also really paying YouTube. And that's not the mm-hmm. viewer's fault. That's just, I, I think the messaging is just mis. Intentionally uh, misaligned because YouTube's happy yeah. taking the money, and and Apple gets probably the same thing. Apple yeah. probably gets that same criticism of like you know they might have some rule that says we don't receive a hundred percent of the. You can't say that in the app when you buy something. Like you can't bring that up, or I don't know. But it's it's a really difficult decision because I know some people would say like, well, Google loses money on YouTube. Yeah, so it's okay. But Apple makes money from their hardware, and now they're making a ton of money from the App Store. But my response to that has always been, so if they were running Apple at a loss, you would suddenly be okay with it? Like, if Apple lowered all their prices on hardware and was suddenly making less money, they would probably have more market dominance. (laughs) They would probably sell even better than they are now if they lowered all their prices. That's kind of like the Amazon debate, though, right? (laughs) Like, people are like, oh, I don't mind Amazon because it's so much cheaper. You know, I can get... Everything I need on Amazon in two days, and it's cheaper. It's like, yeah, but the mom and pop stores are dying. Right. Whatever. And if you got the App Store fees down, if Apple caved, let's say Apple was like, screw it, we make enough from the iPhone, let's bring the, all the App Store fees to zero. Mm-hmm. All right? Now they have an unfair advantage against Google because everyone's going to say, well, they can afford to price their revenue cut at 0%. We can't afford that. (laughs) So now no one else could possibly catch up. So I'm like, you're just mad at them regardless. Yeah. There's nothing they can do that will result in them not having a serious competitive advantage against any startup or anybody else. There's really nothing (laughs) that could possibly happen that would result in them not having a substantial advantage. So there's not... I think people have a lot of first-step ideas... Get rid of fee. Everyone make more money. Ha ha. Or the alt store. Now everyone can use whatever apps they want. You're welcome. But they don't think about the, the consequences of like, well, but then that allows for scamware. That allows mm-hmm. for more malware. And that allows for people to get stuff that's not approved. And then people feel like they don't want to spend more money because there's more bad things that can happen when they do. So they just don't do it. 
overall developers get paid less because people don't want to spend money. So, yeah, it's. I'm sorry, Nick. I know this isn't no, your that's, favorite that's okay. subject. That's okay. I'm, 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 it I'm sounds surviving. like we are. It's, it just feels like we've talked about it for like literally three years, and we keep having the same discussion. That's, that's it's pretty t- much yeah, the Elon, only do we have? I have right now. Thank you, Elon, for picking the next subject of yeah, the tech thank podcast. You. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah. it sounds like people are. What they're trying to do is, it's what they're saying is, it's time for us to. They're taking back what's theirs. Oh, should we should we stop holding on? Yes. Or is there a, a, a to bring it back to Apple hardware? Oh, that's I like where pu- I was going with it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'll go save it for the end. I'll plug at the end. I'll, I'll plug at the end. All right. Well, to to focus more, I guess, on the subject that hasn't been talked to death. Um, there's there's these talks of uh, another Intel Mac Pro. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the twenty twenty. The, the next bigger size iMac being pushed back till next year. And I wanted to give you guys a chance because I know how I feel about it, but I don't know how you guys do. Go ahead, Nick. If, if you think the Intel transition is going to take longer than we thought, is it going to take longer than the June 2022 time period? Well, seeing how Elon's not the CEO of Apple, I would hope that they'll <laughs> hit the timeline that they said. Um, some point in 2021, we'll have all... Or 2022, sorry. What year are we in? Um, we'll have all Macs over on the silicon. Um, the new Mac Pro, I was kind of expecting that because we had seen leaks as far back as I think like November or something of last year about the new graphics cards from whoever makes those being integrated in. So we knew that there was one more Mac Pro likely coming up. And then we had that iMac refresh a while ago, right, that had some GPU options or something. So anyway, we've had a couple Intel yeah. Mac refreshes, but this is likely the last one. Um I is, sure hope is, so. I'm going to yeah. be mad. <laughs> <There's>, and introducing <laughs> another crappy computer. Um, the, <laughs> Every Intel <laughs> Mac that comes out after they announced Apple Silicon is just like, Apple, really? What Why? are you doing? Come on. It might be a contract thing. You know? I th- I th- I'm sure it is. Yeah. It has to be. So I, I'm, not, I'm not specifically worried about upgrading at the moment, um, which is kind of yeah. funny to say. Uh, which is So, you know, you ask about the iMac Pro or whatever, 30-inch-plus uh, M1X, M2, whatever. Whatever IMAX come out with it. <laughs> That's the exact name. You got it yes. right. That was perfect. It, I, I, forgot about the, I forgot to mention the white bezel and the twice those large chin. Um, because it's a larger computer, Drew. They have to I'll fit take the two. Chin, the chin is twice as large because they have to fit twice as much computing power inside. And, I would love to yeah. see people defend it, too. Like, it's iconic, though. It's iconic. That's how you know it's an iMac. <laughs> this is giant, giant With chin. the white bezels. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm not specifically worried about any of this stuff. I've been super happy with them on MacBook Pro. And Good. to be honest, I might end up needing to upgrade just because there's so much dust. Like, it's... I. I've only had this computer for two months, and like it, it looks like I've had the computer for a year, just because it's mm-hmm. worn and dusty, and it's just I've been using it outside for a couple weeks now. So, anyway, so do you think the transition will take longer um, than June? Oh yeah, that was the original question. That was the real question. I was like, <laughs> I was like "Good job, I know Nick. you're good. I appreciate the update. I know you're fine. <laughs> but that was the but question. my question. <laughs> probably, uh, probably will be done in June. There we go. I'll say it. 
You do? Yeah. You think no more Intel by June? Okay, you're still June you're of still next year. Staying by mean, eleven months from now. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think. No, <laughs> we're we're past June of this year. <laughs> by thirty days. <laughs> so, yeah, we're a little too late on that one, but um, yeah, I because the the latest leak was saying that the next Intel Mac Pro we're hearing about won't launch until 2022. Mm. So that has me thinking like are they going to launch it in March and then get rid of it by June? I don't know. That Apple has done stuff like that, but what's your guess, Randy? I think that we will I think next year's the last year that they will they will actively sell both uh Apple Silicon and Intel. Mm. I I I don't think it, not it's it's wordplay what Apple's doing is like oh we're going to be completely transitioned by uh, 2022 June then well, they just said two years two years at we, the event we, that's made, all they said they made the announcement in fall okay so June of 2020 they said it would take two years but he t- did not specify from from today or two years calendar or two gotcha. years yeah. from when the M1 launches so I think they were intentionally vague yeah and I think like they that didn't want to do be with precise. contracts. <laughs> They're like we're starting yeah. to transition, but that the, we're still going to support the 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 latest and greatest that Intel is pushing out, and we'll have those we'll have those options <laughs> for Intel's you. Intel's punching. Intel's <laughs> mad. They're like Apple sucks. Intel's Get just Apple's as like, long in here. A- Apple's holding the baby as it's hitting them. Yeah. They're yeah. like, we love Intel. We, love we have some great progress offerings, and they're just so mad the whole wildly. time. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. You're about to go and sign out. Intel's good for gamers. And Apple's like, shh. Hey, if you still need to run Windows, ha, ha, ha. I think think the transition will conclude next year, but I I think they will. How I picture it in good old messy Apple fashion is they will make the final announcement next year of the last last. Mac variant with M1 while still very actively selling uh, Intel chips. And then after 2022, mm-hmm. they will just, you know, spring release this. They'll just start dropping them off of the uh, the website as we're no longer offering it until they're all gone from the refurbished site as well. And then mm-hmm. they're just gone, gone. So I think they will... So do you- Go ahead. Do you think June is when there's no longer any new Intels? I don't count certified refurbished because that's not mass production. I don't but. think June is is long enough. If, mm, if so, it'll be later. I, because okay, we got the bigger iMac. We got another Mac yeah. Pro. Um, MacBook Pros we're getting in a couple months. So that MacBook Pros we're getting in a couple months. And if we don't, then you know. Who knows at this point? I, 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 I don't give care up. anymore. I, I give, give up. Yeah. Who cares? Listen, I don't care anymore. I, I, It'll come when it comes. At least I got Sorry. my money's worth out of the MacBook Air. I'm happy there. So, um, yeah. All I know is I was at a Best Buy yesterday for the first time in forever, and I checked out that 16-inch MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. and I was like, I forgot he looks you're as beautiful as the day I lost you. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I was looking at that giant keyboard and how thin the bezel. The bezels on the 16-inch look way thinner in person than they do on the website. And I was just like, ooh, this is good. I, love it. I also saw the HomePod Mini for the first time. Oh, I got to listen really? to that. That was cool. Wow. I loved it, yeah. He goes, that's the a thing. Opinion, 
opinion did not change on it, <laughs> but I never reviewed it, and I finally saw one in person and turned it up all the way, and I was like, this is good. I like yeah, this. Yeah, if HomePod like it. or Siri or whatever could just get my stupid stuff fixed, that'd be great, Apple, because, <laughs> it, yeah, can't play this song. What song is this? Oh, it's this song. Then play it. I can't find that on the App Store. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> It's um, that stupid App Store de facto. Yeah, it's that stupid Apple de facto. Ah. I was going to say, Google's been we sucking should, a lot talk lately. About, is Epic at the fault of Randy's music not being able to be pulled on Siri knowledge? Wow. Epic is what a- Epic needs is Mac OS. Ooh, hey, there you go. Epic. There I am. Right, well we went full circle there. Yeah. We did it. I think uh, we've been using the Google Assistant for all our speakers, and my wife keeps asking them to play music, and it will just suddenly not know them. It will play them later. She'll play a song like the song she requested, and then it'll play it. But when she asks for it, it won't play it. Weird. So I'm like, so you have the music accessible, but you just don't understand when we're asking for it. She somehow has found like every song it doesn't know. <laughs> it happened like five times in the last week. She was like, play this. And it was like, uh, I don't know that song. I don't feel like it. And then it kid. played it later. Nah. I was like, I don't want to. I I don't get maybe, this whole maybe, digital maybe assistant. Maybe the singularity's argument. already happened, and all these uh, digital assistants <laughs> are go. just <laughs> messing with us. That's like, probably yeah. It. Actually, I don't but know like, what that is. People are like Siri sucks. Google so much smarter. I'm like, no, they're all pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. I think I think all of them. Can are we pretty rebrand stupid. these as dumb assistants? Then that way, when we actually <laughs> yeah. get smart assistants, we can continue using the name smart assistant. Yeah, we should really stop using the term smart assistant. That's <laughs> that's overusing Boy, the term you smart. Dumb. <laughs> You're degrading the word smart at this point. Alexa, Google, Siri—they're all pretty stupid. Got to admit, they they um they are a niche niche product or uh, service. I don't even know how, how you label them, but nobody has moved full on AI. Let me talk to this thing and then it works perfectly. It, Every time you talk to those things, you're you're rolling the dice, basically. You are, yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, totally. Let's, let's hope this have, one have works. You, have you ever like tried to make a, just using Hello Siri on the AirPods when your phone's like in the other room? I just did this the other night and I said, Hello Siri, call my mom. And it was like thinking, thinking, one moment, hold on, please. I was like, oh, boy. And half the time it just starts calling someone random, right? So I'm like, I can't get to my phone in time to end this if she starts calling Nick uses Siri more than any of us. Yeah, probably. I go, I'll say, Siri, call Drew. Colleen Andrew Cuomo. Exactly. It's like, (laughs) first off, cool. Secondly, what? (laughs) What? Wow. You're right though that that lag that delay thingy yeah. thing like I get Hold so bad. Never mind, I'll just do it myself. Shut up. I know. Siri. And also think about how well the iPhone sells despite Apple doing nothing on Siri. Yeah. I think it says a lot about how the average consumer uses digital assistant. If Siri truly is the dumbest, which I'll I'll concede on and say sure, they're all pretty dumb, but I'll say maybe Siri performs the worst out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, the best-selling phones just use Siri. So I don't think it's a deciding factor for most consumers. They, they, people don't like, I'm getting this phone because of the Google Assistant. It doesn't happen very often. Pixel's not selling great. It probably has the best digital assistant of any phone. And it has it most accessible and built in and everything. But no one cares. Boom. No one thinks it matters. Oh, well. I think you're right. I, I think uh, average consumer, average whoever user, 
they might not even know what Siri is. I'll be honest. Yeah, that that probably exists. That, I bet a lot of people don't know who the Google Assistant is. Yeah, the Google Assistant. No, I just search it. Just type it. Cause they just say Google. Yeah. Yeah. Google. I know who Google is. Google. You just type in the thing. But is because that- people haven't mastered the art of articulation. You know, that's what humans mm. are not very good at. We're pretty good at like tapping and swiping and scrolling through things we're just playing around with it but a lot of people when they want to do something and they try to explain it to their phone there's pauses and ums yep. and and they repeat themselves well, I think and part of the, they're part like, of the problem though is the it, the computer point. is requiring us to change the way we naturally speak in order in a way True. that they can code and conform yes. for and so right. instead of saying you know uh yeah i'd really like to talk to my mom right now or something like that I have to say, call my mom, iPhone, because I have phone numbers for her, and sometimes it decides to call random ones. And right. it's like I, I have to conform how I'm going to query, the uh, phrase the query, and sometimes that's a big learning curve, and also it changes from time to time, and you can never really be sure of what's going on when, you know? It just requires more thinking overall. Yeah. You just have to, like, stop what you're doing and, like, work on it in your brain and be like, Okay, that's what I'll say. <laughs> no. You Where rehearse it a, it a couple times in your head. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to my mom. Call my mom. I'm going to talk to Siri later. And, and I'm saying. glad that it doesn't you know, read my mind or whatever Neuralink might do. Because you know, yeah, one day fun. I'm like, oh, I should talk to my mom. And, mom, no, <laughs> go away. <laughs> I don't actually you asked want for to me? talk to you. No. Because no. sometimes Siri <laughs> will do that. Like, yeah. It's they I've heard horror stories of like Siri accidentally calling people's exes or whatever just because they have similar names and just like <laughs> that's on them. They should have deleted the contact. True, but that's like fair. that's what that's oh, fair. That's oh, fair. That Still, would never happen to me. That's fair. <laughs> Literally, because uh, I never had exes. <laughs> Louise was my first space exes. <laughs> space exes. I gave her space. Yeah. Exes love space. She needed space X. <laughs> yeah, if, if they started thinking, if they started thinking what you wanted and calling, that'd be like, like, oh, we know what you're thinking about. And uh, here, we'll call this. But like, I don't want you to know what I'm thinking about because, hey, uh, yeah, that's too far. here's a certain website you might want to watch right now. No, I'm good. <laughs> what are you thinking about, Nick? Ta- Why are you laughing? Talos of EV is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Is that, yeah oh, I oh, got Talos of EV on the mind. Huh? Yeah. Always. I'm always worried about that Cybertruck. Are you, you know all primed I mean? up because you're down Indeed. there? <laughs> wow. Randy. You saw Elon and now you're Man. all charged up. You got some EV on well the mind? Said. Yeah. Wow. On that subject. You got, do you guys know we have an EV podcast? You should check it out. We're going to go we record it now. No way. Yeah. What? Did you have any closing tech subjects? Hey, I got Apple Arcade. I was trying to find a cooler transition point what? for that. <laughs> <laughs> Nick always says, nope, I'm good. <laughs> but this time he's this like, time. So, so I subscribe to Arcade. And unfortunately, I, I didn't have a choice because I ran out of iCloud storage because I've been taking so many pictures and videos. I had to get Apple oh, One. Oh, that's right. And you so, asked me. I, I totally forgot I that did was, that. You were was, like, how do I get Apple One I fast? needed it in that moment. And I was like, like here it, it is. Was, <laughs> it was terrible. And so I need to go through over the next few days here and like nuke most of my photo library. and stick Do you like Arcade? I have yet to do it. I have yet to sign oh. into any of it. And I keep getting notifications <laughs> okay. like every other day. Play award-winning games on Apple Arcade. Mini Metro Plus. Ooh, all on the that? App Store with Apple One. Dude, 
Do you like, want to the, do you want to play stop. this game? It won an award. Oh, okay. Stop. Which award? Is JD that, Power of just about the JD Power. Award. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never heard that conversation of like I like this game. It won awards. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that was, that, I got I got Apple One, but I'm not going to. Are that you going to pay for Apple One? Not permanently. I mean, I'm paying for it. I think I actually get a free month trial if I remember correctly. But yeah, uh, I was going to wait for trying to be finished on Apple TV Plus and then yeah. get Apple One just so I could finish that one show. Oh yeah, I guess I have Apple TV Plus again. I could see what that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I needed the storage. I needed. I had. I maxed out my two gigs. Uh, two. Ter- two Can terabytes. keep up with Dickinson. <laughs> Yay. And Connor was, loves Dickinson. I heard. Yeah. I unironically. Don't. I don't. Anyway, without iron. <laughs> that was so Un-ironic. bad. That's so bad. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> That's bad. Oh, oh, there's your dad jokes wow. for the day. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Take care. Streaming only on Peacock. John Wayne Gacy killed 32. Straight from the killer's mouth. They want you to believe that I alone committed these murders. The new gripping six-part documentary series, John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. What do you know about Dr. Dunch? Based on the unbelievable true story. I can't make sense of this. Dr. Death. Dunch has two deaths that we know of. Starring Joshua Jackson with Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. I am going to fix you. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. The biggest artists in music. And all their greatest hits. Gold. Streaming everywhere on iHeartRadio. Just search Gold FM. The greatest hits. From the greatest artists. Streaming everywhere on iHeartRadio. Just search Gold FM. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with 120 years global agribusiness experience. Grow with Rabobank. G'day New Zealand, I'm Jamie Mackay. Welcome to the best of the country. Of course, brought to you by our friends at Rabobank, the world's leading food and agribusiness bank. Kicking it off today, changing the music up a wee bit. This is Spandau Ballet, 80s classic and gold for our Olympians in Tokyo. Right, on the show today, we are going to kick it off with Dr William Ralston. And if you're wondering... Well, you've heard that name before. He was, in a past life, the president of Federated Farmers. He's an agricultural entrepreneur, very smart guy. You don't get to call, be called a doctor unless you are reasonably clever. He, he wants to manufacture here in New Zealand our own COVID vaccine. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll ask him to put on his federated or former Federated Farmers hat and get his response to the groundswell protests, which, of course, 
happened a couple of weeks ago. So one of my favourite correspondents that I chat to on the country is Steve Mahari, former Labour Cabinet Minister, former Vice-Chancellor of Massey University. Some people say if he'd stayed in politics, he could have been the Prime Minister instead of Jacinda. We asked him, or questioned him, about the government's response to the COVID crisis, and more importantly, whether it's moving too quickly on all these regulatory and environmental reforms. It's been a bit of a theme this week on the country. Kate Scott, what a breath of fresh air she was midweek on the country. She's a 2018 Nuffield Scholar based out of central Otago. She is a resource management planner. Got a great backstory as well in terms of her primary sector experience. And Kate was on the show to encourage people to apply for the 2022 intake of the Nuffield Scholarship Program. Have a listen to her. She's inspiring and she might inspire you to apply to be a Nuffield Scholar. We're also going to chat to Wes Lafroy, Rabobank's guy in Sydney in lockdown about world fertiliser prices and why they're at record highs. And we're going to wrap it with Winston Peters. Yes, he's back. He had a crack at me midweek. A lot of people had a crack at me this week. Was Jacinda Ardern, or is Jacinda Ardern truly an accidental Prime Minister? That all on the best of the country. Before the end of the hour, it's brought to you by Rabobank. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with a huge network of progressive farming clients. Rabobank. From the Where Are They Now files, how about this one? Saw him on telly last night. Dr William Ralston, former president, of course, of Federated Farmers, South Canterbury farmer and agricultural entrepreneur. Uh, He runs a company called South Pacific Sarah. They make vaccines. And William, you want to make a COVID vaccine. And for what it's worth, I think that's a pretty damn good idea. Yeah, hi, Jamie. Yeah, We're actually in the process of working with people around, you know, scientists around New Zealand to develop a homegrown vaccine. Uh, but there's also the possibility of bringing in a vaccine um, to make as well. But as you can appreciate, that you know, it's not an easy task. Can you just get a recipe from Pfizer and, I don't know, pay something for the patent and then just manufacture it here in New Zealand? Yeah, it's not, it's not that simple um, because the recipe is only, is only half of the knowledge that you need to actually uh, get these vaccines off, off the ground. Um, not to mention that um, Pfizer also have to put in a lot of work if they're going to do a technology transfer, so they have to have a pretty good incentive to to want to do that. I heard Christopher Hipkins or Chris Hipkins say uh, we don't need to manufacture a, a vaccine in New Zealand because there's plenty of production capacity right around the world now. Do you concur with that? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, there is a lot of capacity around the world, but but we're also seeing that that capacity has been constrained because everybody wants this um, uh, vaccine at the same time. So, you know, the, the real issue is to get the infrastructure in place so that we can, um, you know, turn the key on as quickly as possible. You know, if we were, if we had the infrastructure already when the COVID pandemic broke out, then then we could be making vaccine now. We could be two million doses ahead of, of where we are now. Uh, so, we wouldn't have to be waiting in the queue. But I think we've got to look at the bigger picture um, than just COVID because there will be other um, pandemics and they may be much nastier than COVID. 
um, you know, far more infectious and, and sort of have Ebola-type symptoms or whatever. And, you know, then we, everyone would be really scrambling and it would be everybody for themselves. But I think the other thing is that, uh, you know, we have biosecurity threats that come our way in New Zealand. And you look at Mbovis, we're the only ones who seem to care about Mbovis and, and want to do something about it. There will be other diseases in animals that we actually want to do something about that we're not going to be able to rely on um, overseas companies to do it. You're going to put me off my lunch, William, saying that COVID, you're effectively saying COVID's a bit of a stroll in the park compared to other pandemics that might be coming. No, it's not It's not a stroll in the park by any means. But, um, but you know, if you think about um, our ability, um, it's, you know, human humanity's ability to produce a vaccine against HIV AIDS, we haven't done that yet. Um, we haven't got a... Uh, an effective um, and usable TB vaccine. So, you know, we're getting a vaccine for for COVID. The, you know, the spike protein, which everybody's been been hitting, um, is pretty antigenic, um, and, uh, and people raise good antibodies uh, to it. So, so we've been pretty fortunate from that point of view. But you know, we're only you know a few mutations away from something that that, that vaccine isn't going to hit, and we're going to need another type of vaccine or. A, or a variation on the vaccine. So, you know, this is a this is a uh, evolutionary warfare that um, that we're fighting against this virus, and we'll be fighting it against other viruses as well. Can I just get you to put on your former president of Federated Farmers hat that we, you relinquished in 2017 uh, to Katie Milne, obviously Andrew Hoggard's wearing it now. What did you make of the farmer protests, the groundswell protests? Look, I, th- I thought absolutely good on them, and. Um, and I was actually at a funeral in, in Rangiora and went through Cuss just, um, in fact, the protest rolled rolled past uh, the church as I was at the funeral. It went for 20 minutes and that was in Rangiora. I mean, there were just dozens and dozens of tractors. Um, it, was a, it was a fantastic turnout and, and good on groundswell. I think, um, you know, it's really important um, that uh, the, the government take that message um, and it's important that um, uh, you know farming leaders do as well and I know the Federated Farmers has been working really hard from that from that point of view but it's got to be a united front I think I think the, the key thing for me is to make sure that they stay on message and and that is the message of it's you know it's not the destination it's the journey and if you think about water reforms it's uh, it's to have a catchment by catchment um, bottom up uh, type of uh, system rather than just firing cannonballs out of the um, out of the beehive because that's that's just not going to work. You know we get told that the science says that uh, one milligram per um, a liter of, uh, of nitrogen is is pristine water and the science says that. Well, if you take a, an analogy, I've always tried to use analogies. Um, if you take an analogy of the speed limit, you know, 12 kilometres an hour is a good you know, it's a speed limit that would mean nobody died on the roads. But we don't, you know, we don't do that. We have, you know, 30 k's and 50 k's and, and 100 k's, 80 k's um, in different places. And if you think about it, um, if, if you run that same argument from the from the water point of view and you, and you apply it to, to the road, you'd say, well, we're actually prepared to let 250 people die a year for our economic and, uh, and social benefit. Um, you know, that's that sounds far worse than than having a graded system within you know catchment by catchment, and so I think it must needs to be a lot more nuanced. Uh, then there will be some trade-offs, and we have to accept that. And I think 
um, if you look at what's happened in Canterbury with the um, with the regional council there, that has been a nuanced approach, and farmers have bought into it, and they want to solve those problems, and they're getting on with it. I absolutely love your analogy around the speed limit there, uh, relating that to water quality. Dr William Ralston, great to catch up again, former president of Federated Farmers. Good luck getting on with manufacturing some COVID vaccine and other stuff here in New Zealand. Thanks, Jamie. The best of the country with Rabobank, the bank with local agribanking experts passionate about the future of rural communities. Rabobank. Here's a good brain to pick. It belongs to Steve Mahari, former Labour Cabinet Minister, of course, former Vice-Chancellor of Massey University. Always good to get your thoughts on the country, Steve. We're in a bit of a mess, and I'm talking about the world here, this COVID thing, the Delta variant. Things are, are they going to get worse before they get better? Sounds like it, doesn't it? To, to some extent, it just seems that we're going to have to live with COVID for a long time. And too many people just aren't doing what they should do. The Americans have got this problem that they've got um, something like 50 states now, which is a lot of them, who are seeing their COVID uh, numbers go up. We've got problems in in, uh, Indonesia now. I see that they've become the the centre of the Asia-Pacific for COVID. It just goes on and on that this thing just doesn't seem to be coming under control. So we're living for a fair while yet, and I think in the end we're just going to have to figure out how to make sure it stays at a level the health systems can cope with it and we get on with business. Steve, I took a bit of flack online over the weekend about my stance on a COVID passport. I don't think you should be allowed to go to mass gatherings unless you've been vaccinated uh, against COVID, COVID, should I say. I accept people's personal choices, but there is a price to pay if you let down the team, in our case, of five million. Absolutely. I'm in the same camp as you, so I guess I'll get flat too. But I think it's it's absolutely necessary for us all to, to lean into this whole process, make sure we get vaccinated. It doesn't stop you necessarily getting COVID. We all know those kinds of limits to it, but it sure as hell will make you healthier. And if, if we can get it as high as possible that the number of people have been vaccinated, and of course it protects all of us against it, that's when we can start moving into that phase of starting to live with a very low-level, manageable um, kind of thing on our horizon. But, yeah, it really is, I think, really run down. If you just start to say to yourself, well, it's not my problem, I'll leave it to someone else. It's, it's everyone's problem. How does the world economy play out over the next 12 months? especially as it pertains to us as a food-exporting nation? Stronger than ever, I think, Jamie, because, of course, there's pent-up demand all over the world at the present time, and that's going to carry on building because of just simple things like logistics that we know many things can't be supplied at the moment. So people are building up demand. As soon as they can get access, they'll be buying those things. I think the world economy is going to keep chugging along pretty well for the next little while and then we'll, we'll have to come to grips with problems like sovereign debt and all the kinds of other things that are in the system but right now you would say the world economy has got just a huge amount of demand chugging away there and that will keep things going for a fair while. Food clearly is one of them so we're in a good position here to, to really um, have, a, have a good sound economy despite all the, all the heavy winds that we're all facing. How do you rate the performance of your former colleagues? Well, look, I, I think you've got to give them um, total credit, and I don't mean that just because they're my former colleagues. Um, if, if you be, look around the world at the present time and say which which of the economies are doing okay, who, who's the healthiest, who's able to get on with their life, well, you've got to say New Zealand uh, comes out on that uh, scale at the top, and that that's really been the, the you know 
focus I guess the government never thought it was going to have to have obviously but they've stepped up to it and they've done it incredibly well and they've hung in there over time and made good choices like right now uh, people were screaming to open all sorts of um, borders to, to allow people to come into the country and then of course way we go with New South Wales again so they made wise decisions to be cautious and they made wise decisions once again to shut it so at the moment really this whole thing is about managing COVID and then managing the things that have to be done around that, like keeping the economy going, you'd have to say they've done a pretty good job. Let's just finish on how they've handled, and you won't get an argument from me on COVID. I think largely there wasn't a blueprint for this. We've done pretty damn well there. What about managing some of these regulatory changes they're throwing, particularly at farmers? Are we going too hard too early? I think there's a case there to talk about how things could have been done differently, and they've talked about that themselves, that perhaps they've gone too far too fast. I think one of the things that's happened is coming out of that first uh, three years with both the handbrake, as it's called, of New Zealand First and dealing with COVID, they've really wanted to uh, try to push on with that whole transformation agenda. That's got its own problems. When you start running really major changes in virtually every single portfolio and you're trying to get as much done to sort of make up lost ground from the last three years, then you are are going to have speed wobbles. And and that's clearly something that the the government is going to have to watch, is that it needs to talk with people, make sure it does that upstream kind of discussion with people so when they get to the real changes, people are on board with it. And when you're running so many changes and trying to manage this day-to-day problem of COVID, you are going to have speed wobbles. And that's clearly what they've had. And seems to me that they're beginning to acknowledge that and rethink how they're doing things they, they need to because they need everybody to come on board. We are, I think one of the big legacies of COVID is what you said. We have discovered we are a bit of a team. And if we carry that through into the rebuild phase, well, there's not much we won't be able to do. So keeping everybody on board, I think, is something that we really need to focus on. Well, we're certainly a better team than the Aussies are at the moment. They're revolting in the streets. They're revolting most of the time, but certainly at the moment, not a good picture over there. Look, Steve Mahari, I know you've got to head to a meeting. Always appreciate your time on the country. It's always good to yarn. Take care. Bye-bye. Good morning, New Zealand. I'm Jamie Mackay. You're listening to the best of the country. Brought to you every Saturday morning here on Newstalk ZB, Gold AM and Hokanui, the little station that could by Rabobank, the world's leading food and agribusiness bank, talking about Rabobank. Next week on the show, I'm going to be chatting to one of my favourite interviewees, Michael Every, global strategist, get it right, I think he's based out of Israel these days, he used to be in Hong Kong, and he's going to provide an update on the global financial markets. Really interesting chat, looking forward to that one next week. Now you might remember last week we chatted to Graham Law, who was a dairy farmer, a client council member uh, for Rabobank about those financial skills workshops around the country. They're free to attend. You don't even have to be a Rabobank client. They're on again in Otago and Southland, I think August 10, 11, 12. Go to the Rabo Facebook page for more details. Up next, though, Kate Scott and why you should apply to be a Nuffield Scholar in 2022. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with 120 years global agribusiness experience. Grow with Rabobank. 
You might remember last week on The Country, we had a chat to John Foley, the agronomist from PGG Rights and Seeds, about why he took up the opportunity to be a Nuffield scholar. This is your last chance saloon today because we're going to speak to another Nuffield scholar. Her name is Kate Scott. She's got such a winter, uh, interesting, should I say, uh, background. Uh, Kate, your job today in the next three or four minutes is to convince the punters out there that it's worthwhile being a Nuffield scholar. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into it. Yeah, look, um, thanks, Jamie. Um, appreciate the opportunity to, to share what Nuffield's all about. Um, so in terms of my background, um, I am a uh, born and bred dairy farmer's daughter and uh, had the opportunity to shift to the mighty mainland um, to milk cows in the, in the mid-2000s. And from there, um, stepped into opening and running my own consultancy business. So I'm a, I'm a resource management planner by trade and these days happen to spend most of my time helping um, farmers to navigate what all these rules and changes mean for them and their businesses. So it's a, it's a pretty big job, that's for sure. You live in beautiful Bannockburn. If people don't know where that is, it's just out to the side of uh, Cromwell and it's got all those wonderful wineries and vineyards there. You are, that is heaven on earth, I reckon, Kate. Uh, look, it's a pretty special place, that's for sure. Um, I have... Uh, three sons and so uh, having the the space to run them around is uh, certainly what keeps me sane that's for sure. When you're not a resource management planner are you a grape grower? Surely you've got a wee vineyard or winery or something there everyone else has. Look to be fair Jamie I have actually my husband and I have just recently purchased a small vineyard so uh, four hectares of grapes which is um, Thankfully, someone who knows what they're doing is actually um, helping us to run that. So um, we are hoping just to enjoy the spoils that come from it, if I'm honest. Uh, we, we talked about you being a resource management planner. You've obviously got a tertiary education background. And I asked this question of John Foley last week, and I'll ask it again of you. Do you think that's a necessity, a prerequisite for being a Nuffield Scholar? No, definitely not, Jamie. Look, I think the, the real beauty of Nuffield is that it's actually designed to be applied learning and it's a practical opportunity. So, look, some of us come with a, with a tertiary background and some don't, and I don't think it makes one, one bit of difference. It's, it's your passion and your commitment and your desire to actually learn more about yourself and about New Zealand Ag and what happens in a global context that's going to, to be the measure of your success as a Nuffield Scholar. I've chatted to a lot of Nuffield scholars over the years on this show, and the one thing they all say in common is that the networking uh, and the community you build up is probably the best thing about it. Yeah, look, it completely is. So the people that you get to meet from all around the world, um, you know, you can you can pick up your phone or, or jot, jot off an email at any time, and, and you're going to get a response back from um, those people that you may have only met for a brief second, but it's kind of like a whole other family that, that you tap into, and, and the networks are are amazing and, and it's supportive and, and you just find all these people who are really like-minded who want to, to make a real difference to the primary sector and, and that's just, you know, a, a great community of people to have around you. You Nuffield Scholars all do like a project. What was yours on? Um, so I did my project on enabling better environmental outcomes in agriculture. So um, that was back in 2018 and look, the, the findings and where we find ourselves today um, within the primary sector, um, it's more topical than ever. Um, we've got a lot of change on, on the horizon and the environment remains a really big um, topic that all of our growers are 
you know, grappling with every day within their businesses, but also, or equally, there's a lot of farmers out there who are doing an absolutely amazing job in terms of, you know, managing their effects on the environment as well. How do we benchmark against other major agricultural nations? Are we, for instance, the lowest carbon footprint farmers in the world? Look, I haven't looked specifically at the carbon space, but if I if I believe what I read and, and what I see, that yes, we certainly are pretty much up there as being one of the lowest carbon producing um, ag nations in the world. But but one thing I can tell you from my travels was it was really great to go away and um, travel to the rest of the world and see what they're doing. And, and it was really nice to kind of validate some of those feelings that we are doing a good job um, by the environment here in New Zealand. And it's only when you step in and see what's happening in, in lots of other places throughout either Europe, um, America, all of those types of things, we actually are doing an awesome job. And that doesn't mean we have, have done everything that we need to do. And I think farmers, in my view, are actually largely on board with the fact that we can we can get better at the way we do it. But actually, we're a long way ahead of, of many other players, in, in my experience. Good to hear it. Hey, Kate, you've convinced me. I wish no. I could have been a Nuffield scholar. Never mind. It's never you're never too old to learn, are you? Look, no, if, you're not. And exactly. Like that's probably that's probably my message for anyone who's out there who's considering, um, you know, applying for a Nuffield scholarship. You've kind of got nothing to lose. So, you know, put put your ring in the hat. And certainly, if there's anyone who's not sure and they'd like to to chat a little bit further, then um, you know they're welcome to get in touch. And I'm happy to share my experiences and, and, and talk them through it. So. Well, putting your ring in the hat might be a bit painful. Let's chuck the hat into the ring, <laughs> shall we, Kate? I shouldn't pick you up on that. I make mistakes all the time. That's the way we roll, right? Uh, that's the way we roll in, in uh, live radio. So the website is ruralleaders, all one word, .co.nz forward slash Nuffield. Kate Scott, been a real pleasure chatting to you. Likewise. Thanks, Jamie. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with a huge network of progressive farming clients. Rabobank. Good morning, New Zealand. I'm Jamie Mackay. You're listening to the best of the country, gold for our Olympians. The best of the country is brought to you by Rabobank, the world's leading food and agribusiness bank. You know the drill. You can grow with the bank that grows farmers. Up next, where's Lefroy? I'm constantly fascinated by that name. I love it. Uh, Wes, unfortunately, for him anyhow, was in Sydney. He's Rabobank's senior agricultural analyst. Of course, he's in lockdown. Uh, earlier in the week, we had a look at uh, record high world fertiliser prices, how the global freight market has impacted these prices, and are these inflated levels the new normal? Wes Lafroy up next on The Best of the Country. And maybe I've less left the best till last. I don't know about that. You be the judge of that one. Earlier in the week, I, I wrote a column in the Herald, which kind of got picked up on a throwaway line about an accidental prime minister. Anyhow, it solicited quite a bit of response, good, bad uh, and ugly. But um, one of the people who sent me a text and had a bit of a crack at me was Winston Peters. So I gave him the opportunity or the right of reply. Was Jacinda Ardern truly an accidental Prime Minister? Uh, we asked the man who put her there. And was Roger Douglas, and this was the, the guts of the column I wrote in the Herald, was Roger Douglas a visionary or a villain? And can we learn from history in terms of some of these regulations we're throwing at farmers and farming at the moment. Yes, we all agree on the end goal, but are we doing a Roger Douglas? Are we going too hard too early? 
And did the Aussies get it right with their economic reforms of the 1980s when we didn't? So you'll get Winston Peters' take on that one. So that's all on the best of the country. As I said, brought to you by our wonderful friends and supporters at Rabobank, the world's leading food and agribusiness bank. of the country with Rabobank, the bank with local agribanking experts passionate about the future of rural communities. Rabobank. To the lockdown capital of Australasia we head, that is Sydney. There we find Rabobank's senior agricultural analyst, Wes Lefroy, to talk about record high world fertiliser prices. But uh, Wes, before I do... It would be remiss of me not to ask you how you're getting on and what week five, I think, of lockdown. It is, it is week five, Jamie, and we've got at least four to go. I'm probably most concerned about the fact that I'm getting married in November, which is uh, on my immediate horizon. But I think you know all you can, all you can do is uh, try and be positive through this period. And there's a lot of people across the across the globe who are going through a lot more pain than, than we are at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this uh, ends soon for, for everyone involved. Let's have a look at world fertiliser prices. DAP, this is in New Zealand dollar terms, $1,000 a tonne. Urea, $800 a tonne. Potash prices have doubled. I think phosphate prices are up 75%. And some of this I know, or a lot of it is due to demand around the world, but how much of this is impacted by global freight prices? We'll start with the freight and then look at the demand side of the equation. For, for sure. So... so We've seen freight prices increase dramatically right across the globe, both for, for dry bulk and, and also container freight as well. And, and that's not only impacted the, the price of freight, so we've seen the price of freight impact farm gate fertiliser prices by as much as 5 to 10%. Um, but we've also um, seen some pretty big delays on, on freight in terms of shipping availability as well. So, so that's primarily been driven by the extra demand for commodities that we've seen across the globe, but, but also, uh, also the fact we've seen new growth of, of shipping onto the market, actually record lows as well, which, is, which has led to not only high prices, but uh, some pretty considerable delays in, in the availability of shipping as well. So these prices, are they sustainable at these levels? Is this the new normal? So New Zealand farmers are heavily reliant on the global market. So, so that's the, the price set up, that that um, that we've we, essentially that's the price main price setter for, for local prices. So, so mo- moving forward, you know, we don't expect to see any major easing of, of prices, particularly towards the end of this year. If you look what you know, primarily the, the high prices at the moment have been driven on the demand side, and, and we don't expect. Um, any major decline in, in the global price of wheat, corn and, and soy in particular. So we're expecting these prices, a global price of fertiliser, to be maintained at least through the end, to the end of the year. 
Wes Lafroy with us out of Sydney. Wes, final question for you. Our government is looking at putting on nitrogen caps as a part of the freshwater policy reforms. Could the price of nitrogen do the government's job for it? Basically, it's going to price itself off the market and farmers are going to have to look at other options. So from a margin perspective, the, the fact that, that uh, milk prices in particular at the moment are, are actually quite high is, is impacting, uh, sorry, is softening the impact of high fertiliser prices on, on margins. But I think what, what the, regula- the impact of the regulation could actually cap the, the short-term demand increases. So in particular, you know, heading into key periods like we are, application periods like we are at the moment uh, in the spring, where we see actually the global price separate from the local price is, is where there's really short-term increases in demand. So this regulation will help to, to put a cap on those really short-term increases in, in demand and, and therefore local prices. All right, where's Lafroy? Thanks for some of your time out of Sydney talking about record high world fertiliser prices. I hope you get out of lockdown sooner rather than later. Godspeed. So do I, Jamie. I'm, I'm due to come to New Zealand in March next year, so uh, looking forward to that. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with 120 years global agribusiness experience. Grow with Rabobank. Well, yesterday's column in the Herald certainly created some feedback, good, bad and otherwise. It seems that uh, some of the left think I was being a bit disrespectful, perhaps misogynist, in calling our Prime Minister an accidental PM. Let's ask the man who put her there, Winston Peters. Is Jacinda Ardern an accidental Prime Minister? Well, first of all, I saw your description and I thought it was really, how shall I put it, Rather um, <laughs> unkind in the extreme, uh, a bit um, moody, a bit temperamental, and it didn't help. But the reality is when it was all over, it comes down to negotiations as to what you can get. And the National Party wasn't prepared to take the steps that we thought were critical in so many areas in 2017, and I've got no regrets about that. What you see now, of course, is not my responsibility. What you saw between 2017 and 2020 was dramatic in terms of turning, for example, many of our failed systems around, like transport, like infrastructure in the provinces. So many things like that were seriously critical, and I've got no regrets about that. Have you got regrets choosing Jacinda Ardern when we know, or were told, at least 60% of New Zealand First Voters in 2017 wanted you to go with National? If you'd gone with Bill English back then, would he still be there now? Well, look, the reality is that it comes down to negotiations and what you're campaigning for. The people who say, what well, we should have done this, we should have done that, weren't in the negotiations. You had a very, very arrogant National Party who just thought that you know, they were born to govern. They were seriously incompetent, and they had been in government for nine years, and you can't tell me one thing they did. Now, I see a whole lot of business people, I see a whole lot of farmers. When I nail them, I say to them, you tell me exactly what National did between 2008 and 2017 and they can't, apart from signing up to the UN uh, Convention on Indigenous Rights, which is our big problem right now, apart from going to Paris in terms of climate change and then denying what they've done. You tell me what did they actually do in those nine years? All right, let, let's just forget about the GFC and, and the Christchurch earthquakes. Look, well, you can't do that. That's why you guys were protesting well, like, in the streets the other day. Well, we'll come back to the protest now. Even though I may have been mischievous calling Jacinda an accidental Prime Minister, although I still argue that there's a case to be had there, you picked up on the point of my column that I was trying to make, and that 
the current government should look to history to see how to deal with the farming industry right now. And I gave the example of Rogernomics. Did my argument, did it hold any sway at all with you? No, it didn't, mate, because you seem to have forgotten history. I can remember the farmers being wall-to-wall in Kaikoui, facing a guy called Trevor De Kling about what Labour had done to the farming community because Douglas was too scared to turn up. Do you remember that? Yes, I went, I, look, I, Winston, I went to a woolshed meeting in Southland where Trevor De Kling fronted up uh, because Roger Douglas wouldn't. But, but, but the gist of my argument, once again, was that Douglas was eventually right, i.e. no farm subsidies, and getting on with agriculture, my, his time frame was wrong. He went too hard and too early. Well, look, first of all, there's a lot of myths about that. For example, when you say farm subsidies, can you tell me what the quantified farm subsidies were that were being paid by the Muldoon government in 1984? Can you tell me supplementary minimum prices, how much they paid in supplementary prices in 1984? No, you can't, because i tell you what, it's a massive myth while they ran that right-wing free market argument. The difference I tried to point out to you was, if you say Douglas was right, then how come his economic anarchy, his revolution... So at the same time as, as Australia was starting off with Bob Bork and Paul Keating, they were taking the incremental pathway to improvement. We were taking an absolute anarchic, anarchic rebellion and throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They grew 33 34% in real terms greater than we did. That's what you can't answer, and that's what everybody on the right in this country needs to answer before they put out some outdated economic theory. What works with people is... GDP and personal income improvement, and that's where we've failed massively. So Roger Douglas was a villain rather than a visionary? Well, look, for God's sake, you forget, in 84 he was campaigning. Guess, guess what he was campaigning on? He was campaigning on opening 16 carpet factories all around New Zealand. They get in, they throw their, their, their manifesto and rubbish bin and pull out their secret agenda, right? Fire havoc and let loose the dogs of inflation. Over three nights during that period, inflation went past 1,100%. Have we forgotten all that? And all the farmers going broke, half the, more than half the farmers going on family support. I can recall farmers' wives and farmers crying in front of me, mate, just how bad it was. Now, I don't want to see that. I want to see, for example, how the Australian, Australians went. They took the incremental change, and today they don't have a subsidised farming community, and nor do we. But they've done far better than we have. Can I go back or forward to the groundswell protests? What was your take on that? Well, uh, it's inevitable. And the thing is that, of course, it's real as well, because the sad thing is at the moment, without a handbrake, which all you guys used to complain about, without a handbrake, things have become chaotic. And here's the point. I watched the Country Calendar Program, which is one of the greatest programs on any TV anywhere in the world. And I see farmer after farmer and family and wife and kids and farming wives and farming husbands getting on with modernising their economy, having regard to uh, issues such as pollution, water uh, retention that is safe and sound and, and secure. All those things are happening right under our eyes, and yet the government and certain members of government seem to have no regard for that positive side of the rural community. So if you were in coalition with Labor at the moment, how would things be different? I'll tell you how things are different. We're the ones that slammed their U tax last year and stopped it. You all know that, don't you? When the Greens, when they put it in, came out and said, well, New Zealand First is now gone and we want it back again. We'd stopped it. And guess what? The scheme that, the scheme that was announced by, by um, Shaw, by James Shaw, is a farce. The very day the second-hand new announcement subsidies were uh, given, 
were notified by the government, the price went up by that same amount. And more importantly, on the new purchases, these things are so out of the pocket of the ordinary person, it's not going to happen. It is an ideal, the policy that seems to be had been drafted by someone who couldn't organise a party in a brewery. That's the sad thing about it. And farmers know that. And that's why uh, you know, the critical infrastructure they've got, their farm equipment, is essential. And I watched Russell Norman on a show the other day, and you try to take the farmers for having $350,000 tractors as though somehow that was just a luxury. You see what's happened when people get so out of, uh, out of, out of contact with the driving economic force of this country most compellingly proven during COVID-19 and 2020. So in summary, my column was completely off the mark. Uh, yeah, a good try, but the wrong economic analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Winston Peters, it's always a pleasure to chat on the country. I feel like I've gone back to 1979. <laughs> Wasn't that the year that you were first in Parliament? Uh, 78. 78, OK. Well, in 1979, I was a first-year commerce student at Otago University going to Economics 101 lectures, and I felt like I've had one today. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. The best of the country with Rabobank. Choose the bank with a huge network of progressive farming clients. Rabobank. Good morning, New Zealand. You've been listening to The Best of the Country. I'm Jamie Mackay. It's brought to you every Saturday morning by Rabobank, the world's leading food and agribusiness bank, going out with a bit of gold from Spandau Ballet. Well, what a golden hour it was yesterday in Tokyo, our most successful hour in Olympic history. Gold, silver, gold. Well, proud to be a Kiwi. Catch you back same time, same place next week. Your home for live sport. The Warriors run in. The best from the land. G'day New Zealand, I'm Jamie Mackay. And the greatest hits. Gold AM. Streaming on iHeartRadio. Just search Gold AM. Listen to Rugby Direct every week to get the lowdown on all you need to know from the rugby world. Rugby Direct has it all. All Blacks, Black Ferns, NPC and more. Listen to Rugby Direct. Powered by Newstalk ZB on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. 